All right. This is a new episode of Summoning Insight here on the Insight on Esports channel and brought to you as usual these days by Esports Bet. You can go over at esportsbet.io. Guess what? They started their world's prediction series, which means that you can play with DJT, their free token. You sign up, you get a bunch of DJT, message the mods on the Discord, get more. If you get up to 60,000 in this first stage before the League of Legends World Championship, you'll be eligible to continue to stage two, where you can win up to $300,000 for free if you just have good predictions on the website. You can also deposit crypto for a 10% return. It'll be great for you. Trust me. You know, do it for free. They're giving away up to $10 million in total. It's a, a fun way to follow along with the games. Also, subscribe to this channel if you're on Twitch or YouTube. Also, more announcements. We now have video on Spotify. So this is one of the pilot programs that is available on Spotify for video. Uh, you may have noticed some of the other podcasts are available on video there too. So you don't have to watch it on YouTube anymore. Go over to the Spotify channel and subscribe there if you like. Uh, now you can consume video VODs on Twitch, on YouTube, on Spotify, however you like to do it. The world is your oyster. But we do appreciate those subscriptions that you guys keep coming in on the YouTube channel. And uh, go check out our new Inside on Esports CSGO channel if you're a fan over there. Tons more content. We'll be having more content on this channel soon, uh, including an LCK show that Wolf and I are doing for next split, along with the return of Best Damn League show for LEC. And we'll do start doing some clips here. So lots of content in store for you. Thorin wearing the Peyton Manning jersey today. We're going to talk about MSI. Initial thoughts. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the games very much today. We don't have a guest, guys. I mean, the obvious joke would be um, I should really be the new quarterback of the Broncos because I'm Mr. Unlimited. I've been watching Unlimited shit be your ones. And everything. This is what's <laughs> mad, right? It's bad enough having to watch the games the first time on infinite fake 35 ping. Then I have to watch them again. And then on top of that, I have to listen to the whole people who caused this, the Chinese, be the victims. I don't think so, mate. I don't know, where, I don't know if this is your first day in esports people watching this show, but I ain't fucking with that. I don't know if you know me, I sort of get a little bit bristly when people try to pull bullshit like that. Mate, this whole tournament's ruined, I'm not joking. Like, genuinely, I know it's, listen, it's not great that, like Worlds, they've matched it up with the CSGO tournament, probably the easiest tournament to watch in fucking the history of esports, so you're going to get bleed over anyway. But, like, true, my I, my attentions are drawn away a little bit because of right. CSGO. But, mate, I've never cared less about an international, major international tournament in league than this one. I know part of it's things like EG's not, like, a real threat and RNG's on the bad ping and there's the other things but like i even also feel like is anyone else getting this sentiment right for you and me we're hardcore purists so we knew from day one msi format was bad but it takes fans a long time before they realize it's the format and not like you know the wrong team went or an upset or something like i get the vibe finally dude the whole community is just like msi is whack like everyone just thinks that now do you ever did you get that sense uh, it does seem that that's the common sentiment. I mean uh, to put this in perspective for you guys one of the reasons we don't have a guest today is that i I couldn't find people who had watched the games. Like, I'm not shitting you. Like, it was very difficult when I was asking potential guests to come on um, to find somebody who... seem to already have all the EGG2 games. You noticed that? <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> like, we're talking about people who are, like, experts in this yes. scene. And the format is so bad, and it produced so many bad games that people haven't seen all the games. I haven't even seen all the games, guys. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Like... Uh, most people, their attitude is, let's head on to the next phase of the tournament. And I didn't bother to watch games that contain teams that I knew were not going to 
be in the next phase of the tournament. Because what the fuck? Why would I waste my life doing that? Like, I, I literally never have to know anything about these teams. Like, dude, they did get unlucky, I will admit. Not, not, I'm not talking about the ping thing. They did get unlucky with the fact that, like, of all the people who had to get stuck in quarantine, it was the drafting coach of Evil Geniuses. Remember, the only storyline that was good in this group stage was, right, we'll give them four games and maybe EG can come up with, like, some really creative drafts. Like, oh, no, that guy's literally locked in a room, unable to talk to us. Like, well, you know what? <laughs> Flush the whole tournament. This is over. This is just over, boys. I mean, and by the way, you could, you could do some level of prep, but you can't be on stage. No, right? exactly. No problem. Uh, We're obviously, by the way, going to go into all the pink stuff. Don't worry about it. Yes. That's what the whole There's episode new info on the pink yes. stuff, yes. too. Yes. Like, uh, one thing that's very important to mention is that I, you know, I've been talking to a bunch of people uh, in or around this tournament. Um, there is a bunch more information that we're going to drop today about the the ping issues because let's just say they weren't riot was not entirely forthcoming with how it was affecting teams practice abilities right. uh, at okay. the start of this tournament where they were quite forthcoming to their credit about which like the problems that were being had on stage and fixing those issues. But unfortunately, while they can rewind the clock on RNG's games, they can't rewind the clock on teams' abilities to practice in oh, a course, consistent yeah. manner uh, with the onstage ping um, in the in the weeks coming up to this tournament and indeed until like halfway through this stage. Worth noting to Riot's credit that all of this is, as far as I know, has been resolved right now. I haven't heard any complaints since they made that announcement. Since they played the regains with RNG, it does seem like they fixed the issue. Also, another thing I found a bit weird, right? Because no one mentions this, Monty. It's like people in their brain are doing that thing where they're acting like this tournament's in America and they're like, oh, and then when they practice and scrim each other, it's like, dude, they're in Korea. Like, in theory, why wouldn't I just play the other Korean teams on zero ping and for my practice? Even if it's, yeah, it's not going to get the ping practice, but it's going to get better practice. You know, I'm, I wonder why, surely that must be laid behind what's going on at the tournament as well. I mean, teams have been practicing against Korean and Chinese teams, like just from my conversations <coughs> with them about like, um, you know, everything that's been going on behind the scenes, you know, they've told me like, oh, we're practicing against all these other local teams as well, but they really do want the ping practice because it affects the picks. And we're going to go into all right. this like okay. in depth as well, because, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really, really big deal. And probably a lot of, you know, there, it's, it's difficult to even discuss the meta because the meta was warped by the inability to practice on this ping in a consistent manner. And then also the picks themselves are probably somewhat being warped by the, the ping. And then the meta itself also, we probably don't even know what the meta is because of those other two reasons, but also because T1 and RNG are probably not playing real picks. Right. <laughs> oh, yes, you know, of course. Yes. Or, you know, they're really trying to hide what they're doing. Um, so I, I imagine like their priority, you know, they're not they're not showing their hands. So their priority is probably going to be very different for the next stage of the tournament. Um, they may have some champion selections that are going to be coming out that were not shown before. Um, it's 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 all kind of a shell game right now. So that's why even talking about the next stage of the tournament based on the available games that we have, I think we can draw some broad conclusions and talk about how some of the past couple of patches have, have affected the meta. But on the whole, I think it's really, really hard to forecast what is going to happen in the next phase of this tournament, except for maybe like what we're seeing from G2 and EG a little bit. 
By the way, just because this is a moment of hilarity, it's not really like a serious point, but you know when Riot put out the statement about the whole ping problem that they were having or whatever, you notice within that they put this line, where I don't know what they mean by this, where they said that, you know, like play testers had tested it, but then that when the players like played on it, they found it was like totally terrible and not at all like that. Like I know Riot, Monty, means by that. Like they're trying to cover their ass. Like, no, no, we tested it. But that to me just sounds like, so your play testers don't even know what ping feels like. What? Like I took that totally differently. Is it? Am I the only one? Because I just thought like, well then, well, then you didn't test it then, did you? Either you tested it or you didn't. Does it feel good or not? Because apparently that was an element of it, right? Is that we've all made this complaint about like 35 ping, but it sounds like, again, the number isn't the problem, is it? It's what it feels like. So it sounds like it feels way laggier, right? Yeah, but I think the problem, Thorin, is that in order to test it, you would have to be on stage at the arena. Uh, right. And I think that I, mean, I would still do that personally, but I know bloody esports tournaments never do that. People don't know. Like, I was at a CSGO major last year where they didn't even test the fucking sound before they'd start the event. They were just, they were just in the stadium with <laughs> no exactly crowd sound. That's mad, isn't it? And, they were, and the reason why Monty is brilliant because they did it with like an empty crowd and they were like, oh, it sounds fine to me. It's like, there's not 10,000 people in there, you moron. Like, right. God, it's it's so it, affects, it affects the audio mix that's going <laughs> yes. into the stream very heavily. All right. Well, in, in any case, like, uh, maybe they do have a network engineer on site. Like they, I mean, they probably do, I guess if they flew, you know, they, they have a local server. So I guess we get to calculate all the numbers, you know, it's a shit. <laughs> it's sort of a shit in it. <laughs> but if they've been doing it remotely with a network engineer and then having somebody else test it on site, it may not be quite as obvious. Right. Um, so it's really difficult to know what they're doing. I don't have details about who's on site for the networking issues, who's off site. but let's, let's get into it first. So to describe how Riot runs events, because we have to kind of go through this methodically, and I don't think anybody has really discussed how the the infrastructure of these events happens, because it's very specific. So what happens is Riot always has um, a server at the venue. Um, like a physical server, you mean? A physical server. Yes. And the thing about these physical servers is that because they contain an, uh, a separate instance of the game, they are extremely valuable because yes. it contains all the code of the game. And so these servers have to be in locked rooms that are guarded 24-7 with security because if, if one of these servers were to disappear, basically you could create a clone of League of Legends at the game and it would be out in the wild forever. People Make could it good. People could modify yeah, it. It might be good. <laughs> it might be really good. That's, that's the major threat, I believe. Right. And it would be like, basically, it would be impossible. Um, you know, it'd be like opening Pandora's box. Like, you yes. can't put it back in um, exactly. once, once it's out. So they are obviously, like, very concerned with the security of these servers. Um, but there is an on-site server uh, at at these major tournaments. I even suspect, by the way, that's probably why there's less cheating in League of Legends because you just don't have, like, the servers to test it all in the same way, you know? Like, you can't get the background stuff. So it probably is actually part of... Like, look, as much as doubt... There's plenty of downsides to that approach, but there's a couple of upsides. Yeah, and, I, you know, this is also true mostly for the domestic leagues as well. Um, it, it was not true at OGM. So, for example, um, like... When because OGN was a separate company and they would connect to the tournament realm, which was a server in Seoul, but because it's in the same city, literally, like the ping was, you know, minor. So they cool. may actually at the current LCK arena have a local server that they use because it's now a Riot owned facility, which means that they have, you know, total control over over these very valuable servers. Um, that is true, I believe, you know. It, you know, they obviously at Riot HQ is across the street from the LCS studio, you know, Berlin. I'm sure they have some sort of local server. Um, et cetera. 
So that's how this works. Now, in Korea, there is also a separate tournament realm. And actually, in, in all the regions, there are separate tournament realms that the players can access remotely. You have to have a special account. You have to download a special client. Um, and these servers are typically used for scrims. So when the when the teams are are running these scrims, it's how they scrim in LA with very low ping. I would imagine like the Champions queue um, has the same is probably on that server a very similar server. Uh, and in Korea, you know, you every all the teams use these for for scrims, and they may still use them for the stage games. I'm not sure if there is a local server. Might just be redundant, like I said, considering it's also in Seoul. So when teams go to Korea, when foreign teams go to Korea to boot camp, they are typically given um, scrim accounts on the tournament realm by Riot, okay? Which is the famous reason, if you remember, why Monty's team got like semi-fucking banned for like a week when they went in 2014. We did share thing. accounts, but it was because yes. Riot was being a dick and not giving us the the. No, but the, the point I'm making is, again, what I want people to understand here is it's not they take an incredible amount of security on how this all works. Like essentially, you can't access the server if you're not with them. You can't get into the tournament realm if you're not. Like, there's reasons they're doing this. They're trying to keep yep. people from getting in. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and they were mad at us because we ditched the LCS, so they didn't want to give us Tournament Realm accounts, so we did some sharing, and then the players got banned from OGM, which was hilarious. Anyway. Well, um, for like two years or so at Mental, even though, that yeah, <laughs> even though obviously they were never going to play it. And like, I love those Korean bands, though. I love them. To Riot's credit, like, they could have done a lot more, they and like, sure. they gave a symbolic punishment because it was outrageous. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But that is a good point, yes. So there are Tournament Realms accounts that the players have. Um, so what this means is that when these teams are in Korea for MSI, there are three different ways that they're playing the game, okay? So there's the stage, right, which is supposedly has the artificial ping that is supposed to match the ping of RNG and like, or get them at both at approximately 35, right? And this technology, by the way, guys, has been used in other tournaments successfully. Overwatch League actually used it very well uh, last year. They didn't have um, many or any issues I can't recall any issues off the top of my head um, when they were creating artificial ping between the West Coast of the U.S. and Asia um, to try and like make it sure make sure those games were fair. Um, so this tech is not uncommon in esports. It was a common solution uh, during the pandemic to make matches uh, more fair for for everybody involved. Uh, obviously, that wasn't necessary in games like CS because you just choose a server halfway between the, yes. the two um, teams. So because there are so many servers all over the world, or you can just make a server. It's the opposite server kind of philosophy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You just make a server. Um, but in games where the, the servers are controlled by the devs, this was a common solution. Um, so this is all to say that there are three different ways they play. They play on stage with the artificial ping. Then there are kind of multiple instances of the tournament realm. So you had access to like, you know, there's like tournament, tournament realm one, two, three, four, five, six, et cetera, right? And so one of the instances of the tournament realm was also supposed to have that artificial ping to provide a practice environment for the teams, um, for the teams that wanted to practice on the artificial ping, which makes sense. You want to play in the same conditions in your scrims that you're playing on stage. Okay. Um, there were other instances of the tournament realm that had no ping or like ping to Seoul because they're in Seoul, yeah, right? Sure. So it would be Busan to Seoul, which is like, I don't know, eight ping, nine ping, right? Less than 10. Um, and then there's Korean solo queue, which have about the same ping as from Busan, you know, eight to 10 ping, basically. Uh, and so the, the players could practice on that. Now, obviously you can't create artificial ping when you're trying to practice in solo queue, but the idea was that they would have some level of, um, 
of control over the scrib environment where they could practice under slightly higher ping conditions. Now, what ended up happening were there, there were several issues here. Uh, one of the issues was obviously the stage issue, which has been well-documented, which is that the ping was higher than 35. Um, the in-game numbers of ping that you often see in the, uh, you know, the top corner of the screen uh, were showing the value they were showing was not the real ping value. It wasn't reflective of the artificial latency. The game wasn't displaying that. I don't think it was intended to display that, but it was, you know, it wasn't an indicator of what the actual ping was. They eventually figured out that the latency tool was operating incorrectly, and therefore they had to do the RNG regame matches, which we, we will sidebar that for the moment and talk about in a little this bit. This took a few days is the point because they'd already played out a bunch of the games, yeah. Right, and all the players, all the teams, you know, had the same complaints. You saw them publicly, I heard them privately, uh, that it feels like it's about the same, um, you know, like 60 to 70 ping was was basically the point. Monty, think about this. Imagine I said to you, we're going to hold a LAN tournament where because, look, I can't say why. I mean, I could on this show, but I'm a bit acting like I'm right. I can't say why, but we're going to have to give everyone artificial ping so that the Chinese can stay home and play this land tournament, right? In that scenario, the premise I've created is I'm going to actually make the conditions worse for the other teams to make it fair. Now, if there's one thing that would be my number one rule in that meeting, I would say this. Under no circumstances can it ever arrive at a situation where the Chinese have an advantage because we fucked up the artificial ping. That won't yeah. make any sense because they're not right. even supposed to be here. That is exactly what it appears Riot yep. managed to do, which is like, yep. look, I, look. certainly the, we know the way that certain Chinese teams complain. Is, it's a bit sort of hysterical. But I sort of like, I, I do think this is a bit of a clown show the way this has turned out. It's like, how did it take so it long to figure this out? It was the worst possible outcome. Right? It is, it yeah. Was, because if RNG had had, uh, you know, additional ping, it it also would not have resulted in re-games because RNG oh, would have gotten not. the option to play the games again and they won yes. them all. So why would they end exactly. the story? No problem. Uh, so yes, it was actually the exactly. worst possible outcome. Uh, and I we'll get into, we'll get into that, but yes, I think that's a very salient point. Um, so what happened is, so there was this onstage issue. Now here's the information that you guys don't know. Um, there were offstage issues as well with some of the tournament realms. So the, the server that was supposed to be on artificial ping um, that they could scrim on was extremely inconsistent. And there were a lot of reports about massive frame rate drops uh, on that server or other ping issues, ping-related issues. So it was either frame rate or ping issues, which made some scrims like absolutely unplayable. So the problem was is that the teams had to go to the lower ping without, you know, the lower ping scrim server, tournament realm, uh, in order to have some of these practices because of the inconsistency of playing on the tournament realm for the teams with the with the latency. So it meant that it was very hard to get good practice under those conditions uh, leading into the tournament because there were separate issues that were happening within that practice environment. This is how you know, mate, you're in a riot game. Because if this was CSGO, we wouldn't be talking about this. There would be a tweet where a player would already have done like a phone recording of his screen lagging around. And all the fans would have melted down on Reddit. And they'd be like, fix it now, Val! Like, and yeah, it would have just been, it'd have to be fixed immediately, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? In, in League, it's more like this comes out secretly behind the scenes, even though they're lagging the fuck up everyone's practice at a second right. world championship. So basically the teams had a choice of laggy, like spiky, I would say spiky, like lag and frame rate issues within the, the, you know, latency scrim environment or playing on 
what was effectively a lower ping so that you weren't getting the same conditions. Now, there's a third level to this, uh, which is that Riot themselves, uh, usually what they do is, you know, they can, they'll put a server into a local environment like the hotel that the players are staying in. Uh, in order to create a stable environment for them to practice on. Now, this server probably would have only been used by the teams if they were scrimming against each other. So it would have been only for teams that oh, were participating yes. in MSI, yes. again, with the, the artificial latency in place. So it wouldn't have been accessible to teams from outside. So it wouldn't have been, for example, for you know, one of the teams there to scrim against other Korean teams that aren't T1. Um, that would have been the tournament realm, which was kind of messed up. Um, now, the problem is, is that in the selection of the site of the hotel, they Riot failed to we go. Uh, do location scouting properly, where they could not, re as I understand it, they could not achieve the power requirements nor the security requirements to have the local server. So they got a hotel that didn't have sufficient power to operate the local server and that didn't have a safe place for for it to be secured 24-7, as we discussed earlier. So they opted not to have the local server either. So there wasn't even an option to scrim on latency on a different server with the artificial latency with teams that were attending the event. So this is all to say um, that... It, it's been very difficult for the teams to prepare with the latency. And then even when they are on stage, the latency was approximately double um, what it should have been or what it was, you know, what Riot said it would be on stage. Um, so in effect, what ended up happening, everybody, is that the teams were scrimming on like nine ping, but the real ping was like 70 right? So you're actually dealing with like a 60 ping variance between what you're practicing and what was actually happening on stage. And considering all but the last three days of the event, this was occurring. And by the way, also when they fixed the stage issue, they also fixed the, the server practice server issue. Um, so now everything is operating as it should be at approximately 35 ping. So good job. The rest of the tournament should be much more in a much more stable place. But there was a massive difference that was happening because of all of these factors. And it is, by the way, when you are running an esports tournament, especially during the time of COVID, as somebody who has literally done this myself, it's very important to make sure that the site has the proper specifications in order to handle this because you have different requirements. You know, Thorne and I did a Flashpoint in a hotel in London where we had on-site servers, had to do a new on-site network to all of the rooms for high-speed internet. It was very, you know, it was very difficult uh, logistically to pull that off. Um, but you have to make sure that these things are possible. And while I don't think not having the on-site server is that big of a deal, because again, it's like, you know, it's nine ping to the tournament realm and it would only have been for on-site teams anyway. The fact that that wasn't an option because they didn't, you know, select the location properly made it so that there wasn't any way to practice with this latency um, when it was messing up on the on the remote server. 
I've got um, a question for you, right? Obviously, a fan won't know this, but I do, which is that one of the reasons Riot can sometimes, years in advance, announce where Worlds is going to be is because, spoiler, we're at the point now where this is no longer like a land in a fucking garage in an industrial warehouse. Like we're, we're renting out arenas and stadiums, so it means those aren't just available. You can't ring them up like, oh, can I have it next weekend, that massive stadium? Like, they're booked out for gigs and stuff. So basically, what I want to know is this. Do you think that the hotel issue potentially came because they didn't know this was a concern and they already were like looking into it because remember people are going to think well riots from america okay. no they have riot korea they have a person that could have just been there the whole time scouting locations so what do you think it was do you think the china thing came too late and it sort of like scuffed their plans or do you think they just di didn't think of the contingency no. angle and just thought it would work out if they hired the players what do you think no i think that you always plan to have an on-site practice server so let's just as a thought exercise it, it's less of a big deal because it's Korea and Korea is a very small country. And so then you only have nine, like the worst case scenario, right, is like nine ping to the other server. So it's kind of whatever, honestly. Um, but let's say for Worlds in America, um, you know, they're they're playing the first, they're playing the play-ins in Mexico City. They are going to have to have a scrim server on site in Mexico City because you're not going to do it from Mexico City to Los Angeles or from New York to Los Angeles where the, the usual scrim server is for the pro players. So they will have to have uh, local servers for practice at Worlds, right? So I would assume that it's standard practice for them to have a local server wherever. It just wasn't a big deal to get a big deal. It, it ended up kind of being a big deal, but okay. in theory, it wasn't a big deal to get rid of it in this particular circumstance because of the proximity to the normal tournament realm. Um, so my guess is that this was a mistake made by Riot Korea on a standard practice because they would have been the ones probably locally scouting the, the hotel location on behalf of Riot. But I mean, this is the same Riot Korea that didn't properly plan to have, you know, teams out for the pandemic. They made no plans to have yes. teams playing remotely, uh, if they had COVID. So I am highly skeptical, let's say of Riot Korea's ability to, account for variables because they've already shown this year that they are woefully inadequate at doing that. Sounds like they're not too proactive into putting contingencies in place, basically, or no. figure out what could go wrong, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, they're not. Um, they're but the way, spoiler, this not. is one of the reasons this show, along we want to do, will always exist and will always have an audience. Because guess what? It's only going to get worse, guys, because the LPL is the shit now. You are going to see that the Emperor has no clothes, but all the people who work in the fucking riot side of the industry have to tell you the Emperor's clothes are beautiful and they are wonderful. And every LPL caster must apologize for every time they dared to defy the great country of China and the brilliant... Like, it's a fucking joke. Like, this is the only place where we can actually just tell you what's going on. Because guess what? Well, we don't work riot and there's no fucking Chinese person yeah. going bonkers on the head is this or no problem don't worry about it <laughs> and this is the only this is the only place you're going to get that information and you know what all the people come to us with that information because they want it out there this is the only place exactly. you can come out guys yes. you wouldn't believe the number of messages I get <laughs> right and it's you know it's it's a really big issue and it was frustrating for the teams um, very frustrating you know for the people who were at this event um because, you know, pe some people were saying, like, this is, you know, this is probably, like, the least well-run Riot event that they've ever participated in. Uh, Mate, here's the thing people haven't thought about yet. We've actually gotten lucky with the way that, because the structure's shit to the tournament. Like you're saying, RNG won the games anyway. So, like, they were going to win them again the second time. The groups yeah. were a fucking joke. Think if this was, like, Worlds and these were the real group stages. There'd already be, like, blood in the streets, dude, over the war of, like... <laughs> the, and then imagine this. Here's what people haven't thought about yet. Here's the air bomb that hasn't gone off yet. 
but it's going to be dropped in the final. If for some reason T1 loses this tournament, the fucking internet will melt down. I'm telling you right now. Yep. It will even potentially cause like a minor fucking political incident, in my opinion. Like, because here's the thing. I'll tell you right now, the Koreans will not hold back. You saw all the shit with Faker and all the people on the streams, on the solo queue and stuff like that. They will say stuff publicly, Monty, if they lose and they think this is a fact that I guarantee they're going to find some way to say it, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but it's, like I said, you know, it, it also, for the minor regions, if the point of the minor regions is to come over here, show some games, get some practice. Like they didn't even get practice really, you know, in the, sucks, in the yeah. environment yes. that they were going to be playing in. I, I guess the irony is that they might've gotten better practice because they were playing on lower ping, which will be more similar to their experiences within their, their local regions. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe it, it'll work out for them in the end. But I think basically half of this group stage if not the whole group stage, because remember the games are all played back, you know, there's no breaks in the days. Yes. Teams had, you know, a, a day off after the first three days, uh, except for one team, which played immediately the next day. Right. So those teams that played on the first day for the second round, Robin basically never had uh, a practice environment that was stable with the conditions that riots, that riot set. Um, just really sad. <laughs> also, my joke that because in theory, if you're in Europe, you usually play on like 35 ping. Apparently, that caps that does work. It's just like playing solo queue. He's just smurfing on everyone. He's just in solo queue right now. He's doing whatever he wants, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. See, that's the thing. You've actually activated his power level because if it was fake it, he needs it to be the nine or the zero ping. That if it's caps, he's like 35 ping Silas. This is my office. Let's go to work. <laughs> exactly. I'll one v three all you bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we do have to we have to do get into some other complaints here because I, I think we've got some before we talk about the games. Okay, the, the few games that were worth watching and getting into some team analysis and and what might happen in the next stage of the tournament. We do have to talk about the rematches from that riot uh, that riot put on RNG, and then we also have to talk about the format and why it's bad because we do need a lengthy diatribe explaining in detail about why this format is so terrible. Um, and why it needs to be changed. So first off, what, let's get your thoughts about the RNG rematch and, and what was the fair thing to do in this situation. Because I think it was a really good ruling. Uh, yeah, I actually think it had to happen. Like, here's the problem. Anytime, like, this is the flaw that people will never get their head around in tournaments when there's a problem, Monty. I've noticed this. Because RNG didn't do anything wrong outside of they should be at the fucking tournament to land. Let's ignore that part. If we take the premise that they're allowed to play from another fucking country, then in that world, right, RNG didn't do anything wrong. So what happens, Monty, is they go like, we've had our wins robbed from us. But you haven't, have you? Because you didn't play against a fair opponent. So even though <laughs> exactly. the fans can't wrap their head around that, you didn't win those games. Although, or rather you did, but not against the real opponent because you weren't playing the like this is like if you had a formula one race monty and the main the bet like verstappen's car goes normally and then hamilton's car goes at a fourth of the speed he can't at the end go i did win the race though you didn't you didn't race anyone you were just racing against fucking yourself at that point so i think by the way like you say luckily they also were going to win the games and get out the group yeah. anyway because the format is shit but by the way spoiler fans the format being shit is not a good thing that just saved them drama that's all it just meant the tournament wasn't ruined we sort of can go and starting now we can do that right but we shouldn't be doing that like in a sane world with a good format low key this should have like scuffed the whole in in tournament like this even might by the way this is there's a world where if you fuck this up with some other way like someone does get eliminated who's a big favorite if it's worlds like that could happen you can lose the bo1 you fucked you know so i do think like like, you had to do 
the rematches. The, the, this was not one where it was acceptable to be like, well, you know, because I mean, they could have gone the other way, Monty, and be like, but everyone on this side had the same fucked up problems that, yeah, but RNG didn't do this. That, that doesn't make it fair, does it? Come on. Uh, yeah. And I, also, it's worth noting that their opponents had to opt into the rematch. So all of their opponents did choose to replay the games. I, mean, I will say that's also, fans, keep note of this. That's also where the country RNGs from might have played a role in, you know, essentially that's like that shit back in the day when they used to say it in Iraq, that Saddam Hussein held elections. And he did, Monty, because apparently <laughs> the option was you vote for him or you get killed. So, I mean, that is, well, technically that is an election. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, like, it, you know? it, 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 like, it wasn't like they take an auto loss though. And it's just that they could either take, the teams were given the choice of like, take the loss you already got or play again, right? Or you couldn't like dispute the replay. Yeah, like you. Oh, like, no, there's a thing. There was a world where that could have happened, though. What if every team except RNG was like, "We're not going to play in the tournament if you don't do this." Yeah, I mean, I realized I, realize I did just go into a fantasy <laughs> realm where, in a riot game and a game involving the influence of China, people would almost have like a unionization effect. Like, I understand that's like <laughs> fucking that's some sort of sci-fi movie for y'all, but don't worry about that. No, I, I didn't realize. So you mean you mean they could have just said the L was an L? But I mean, the problem is that it's like you say that you would also get reps in. And right. you, let's be real; these teams aren't going to play somebody like RNG, yeah, so I, it's also worth playing the game. I, yeah, I just I think that's an important part of the ruling, right? Like you, I, of course, the teams are going to take that option because you might as well see if you can pull off the upset and you might as well get another rep on stage but um yeah you did have it was an option to the teams and and if rng had had the worst ping then they could have said okay we're not going to replay this games because we won them all as we discussed earlier uh i do think that you know the the thing about esports is this uh there's there's the good and the bad about having these digital platforms on which we compete and the the good is we don't have shitty refs making shitty subjective calls that are obviously wrong uh, that is a huge, 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 huge benefit that we have in esports. The downside is occasionally and with less frequency as technology improves, um, there are technological issues that are not the fault of either team. It's not the fault of a referee. It's the fault of the technology or the tournament organizer, the tournament operator that is using this technology. And therefore, the neutral tournament operator whose job it is to provide the level playing field has failed to deliver that for some reason. This is not a problem that that really exists in traditional sports um, unless there's some really like bad faith shenanigans about like alter like deflating balls if you're the New England Patriots. I mean, the only right? analogy I could think of would be like, like I did always personally think in both European soccer and American football, it is mad that they play when the pitch is all muddy to fuck. Like that's the only equivalent I can think of because I've always thought like those games, let's be real, like I've seen some of those ones where like people just look at the game on Wikipedia and it's like, mate, that wasn't a real American football game. Yeah. Like I've seen the ones where the wind's just blowing the quarterback's ball out of bounds. It's like my whole team is a passing off. It's like, there's, you can occasionally get it in sports but yeah true most yeah. spots it's the same scenario yeah you don't have to worry about like the fifa just fucking you up in theory <laughs> right um like you know they're not going to be latency on the ball that's like affecting <laughs> which would be hilarious but um so this is this is all to say that this is a unique problem that you have in esports and in my opinion when the tournament operator is at fault for creating the the uh you know un the the, the uneven playing field as it were you have to replay the games. I think that's the only logical solution. I think that RNG's like long-winded statement from their coaches on Twitter bemoaning the fact that they, yeah, they, they said like, oh, we have to wake up early and take these government-mandated COVID tests. I'm like, 
dude, that fucking sucks. I sympathize with you. Like, that's what, that any of our problem outside of China. <laughs> you know what your problem is with that? And careful how you phrase this, boys. It's with China, isn't it? Your country. It's not your problem, is it? It's fucking brilliant well, not living in China. But but just because they are suffering <laughs> hardships that have nothing to do with the tournament does not mean that... Ooh, can't be should, right. It's fault. No. Yeah, they, they shouldn't replay these matches. And yes. also... What was so gross about what the, the RG coaches said was that they didn't even acknowledge the fact that their opponents were playing on higher ping. They were yes, playing they in just, worse conditions. They made it sound like they were just all screwed over. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. RG's like, we're the victims here. I'm like, are you? I feel like your opponents yes. are the victims. <laughs> right? Don't so the victim in the sense that you got tricked. Admittedly, you did get tricked into thinking you won the games. That's true. But beyond that, like, yeah, the person being the most fucked over is... By definition, the person on super high ping when they're at the fucking venue, mate. And the yeah. other thing I would also say as well along those lines, by the way, is like when you have uh, this kind of a scenario take place, I also do feel like generally if there is physically time and logistically it is possible, the best decision always to a real dispute where there is no clear answer is to have replay the game, always. Yes. Unless it's really like I did win 95% of the, the end when I'm up. Like here's the difference. If we play a game of league, a BO1, and it's like 40 minutes into the game and I have all the fucking Dragon Soul, every item, and I'm way above your... T if, I, if then you have a lag spike and you lose, I might say like they do sometimes in LCS, like, okay, the winner, the team leading, wins that game you can't do that for this it was scoffed the whole way through it's just logical that you have to replay the whole match yep um so yeah i think i think this is 100 percent the right call from riot given the circumstances i don't really think there was another acceptable decision not replaying the games would have been even more bias in favor oh, of asterisks on that on the matches wouldn't it and it's already got yeah. one anyway but put an even bigger one wouldn't it yeah and I, I think for me this whole fiasco just shows that you know, the tech wasn't ready. It wasn't in a place where they could actually pull this off in a fair environment that would make sense for all the teams to compete under good, uh, good conditions of competitive integrity. Uh, they couldn't practice in terms of good conditions of competitive integrity in the same method in which the tournament was being played. And frankly, this, this tournament should, should either have been canceled, uh, if China can't right. attend or, RNG should not have been allowed to attend yes. or RNG should have had to play on ping and no one else should have had to play on. I ping. think those are the obvious three options. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll also say as well, this is why we started out by just explaining that they take a physical server and bring it. This is the downside of having that approach to your game. Unfortunately, yes, it allows more security and you can control who access it. And by the way, if you're right, the best part is no one can run unofficial tournaments. They can't just like actually do it without yeah. your permission. But the problem is this boys, if this was CSGO, because by the way, Valorant has the same problem. They even had their problem that last chance qualifier last year. If it's CSGO where anyone can generate a server, right mate someone like esl would have had like a nerd german guy fix that problem within two hours mate they would have found a different way to generate a different server and put it in a different yeah you know, and it would have just been fixed because you just have that tech over there so unfortunately the what i'm going to say is this much like a lot of these situations once riot was in the situation they could only react and do what they could do but they did essentially like they created this situation they did somewhat make this bed for themselves and now they do have to lie in it to some degree Yes. Just a downside of this approach, unfortunately. Yeah. And and what frustrates me, Thorne, about this entire situation is that I just want Riot, for once in their fucking existence, to just be honest. I just want them Where to say- Where is the basically? Where's the guy who just fucking faces the music and like, we can grill him about this? Where is he? Uh, again, the, the ghost commissioner is right. I know, you know, exactly. I, I, although, I, 
again, to Riot's credit, all the posts that they've made uh, have had people's names on them, which okay. is a huge step forward. Like when they made these official announcements on the Loli Sports site, it literally says the person's name and their position and their statement. So that's great. We finally have people making real uh, decisions and explanations that are tied to them as human beings. Uh, I'll just so, put the LP underneath the name. That's a joke, obviously. <laughs> it's just, just a joke, fans. So, so but maybe do. <laughs> so the the problem here is that we all know what the truth of this is, which is that Riot is a company that is a hundred percent owned by Tencent. Uh, Tencent is being bullied right now by the Chinese government into giving percentages of their profits directly for common prosperity. So by the way, rioters, your company is now directly fueling the Chinese government. And this is a publicly held company that yeah. Riot is saying you have to take a quarter of, of your profits and give it directly to the Chinese government. So you are now funding the Chinese government, Riot employees. Good job. Uh, you can look this up. Google common prosperity, Tencent. There you go. Uh, you can't ever let Dom appear on the LCS because that would be offensive. So, <laughs> yeah. the second where they're standing inside the scales, the old Anubis scales again. They're always fucked up, Anubis scales, aren't they? They used to look pretty even in the fucking Egyptian drawings, but the riot ones never are noticed, you know. That could so, even be the name, by the way, of a douchebag riot, like Riot Anubis. Like, I think it's all fine, personally. Like, I'll make a character. Maybe I'll be back on the next episode. It's also <laughs> Nasus. They already have Riot Anubis. There you go, exactly. They stole, they stole the character, exactly. That's they stole what, the character. That's, you figured it out, Thornton. That's what all the Nasus hovers are about. It's the pro right. players. This is... This this okay. is their uh, minor symbolic rebellion. Yes, uh, is their against... protest. <laughs> exactly. Against the oppressive scales of uh, morality in the Chinese government. but And anyway. also is a literal dog champion. <laughs> Does play top one as well, I'm just saying. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all coming together. So, uh, you know, what they need to say is that here's the truth, guys. 90% of the viewership of this event would vanish like that in a heartbeat. If China wasn't participating, right? Not only Chinese viewership, but other viewership because people, interest, yeah. people know that Korea yeah, versus yeah. China, maybe G2. I mean, G2 looks real good. So we'll, we'll get there. Um, but, you know, it's basically a three horse race. Uh, and two of those horses are heavy favorites. And one of them might be, a, you know, the dark horse. Um, but general interest would fade in this tournament. I would argue general interest already has faded in this tournament to a, you know, a, a degree given what we've seen. Um, but they have to have China there because they've sold sponsorships, guys. You see all those nice Mercedes ads? Well, Mercedes sure ain't going to get their money if China isn't participating. So all they have to say, by the way, is that this is a business decision, which is a totally legitimate concern. Oh. Here's the thing, totally though, legitimate. I've just but, realized, I know the commercial. The Riot servers powered by Mercedes can do zero to 60 ping in, yeah, you do that. You forgot the joke. The, the, you, you can workshop the rest. You get the first part was fire, though, so keep going. <laughs> well, you don't know if it's zero or 60 ping. It, no, exactly. it, exists, it exists in a quantum super space. It's like Schrodinger's Mercedes, exactly. Schrodinger's Benz. Also, by the way, the tournament is sponsored by Cisco, so I can't even imagine how angry that's, they are that's, to have that's these. That's amazing. That is amazing. They've actually got the world's most famous network solution company to sponsor it, and then they fucked up every aspect of the network solution. Like, right. Oh, oh my lord. <laughs> and especially not least because, by the way, the kind of person who is a Cisco engineer would be so triggered over exactly this sort Dude. of a problem. It's, it's hilarious <laughs> in it at all. The jokes I mean, right themselves. Look, I have close friends who are who are like very 
you know, network engineers with very large, you know, significant companies. Sure. And, you know, they've they they've said like, you know, this is this is they're oh, confused but the, the, as to how this happened. The idea this could happen in a world where remember we're told TSM's worth four hundred million dollars and riots worth billions and they make all like that's the part where it gets insane because it's like yeah. I used to say in CSGO. What when in CSGO like six or seven years ago, Monty, they once produced a number where they were like, CSGO's made two billion dollars in the time it's been around for like four or five years or something. And I was like, so wait a minute, so it's already made billions and they haven't fixed it all. Well, then there's never going to be a reason to fix it, is there? Like, if we, if we, ha if we haven't got it together at billions, then we're not getting the trillions in making the game awesome. Like, it's the same with Riot. It's like, when do you ever level up, you know? Like, in theory, this is the thing I find whack as well. Because of Riot's position and even the whole influence of Tencent and the funding, they should be leading the industry on all these things. They should be the best. Like, actually, the, the joke should be, the other TOs should be going, like, ESL should go, look, I mean, now they do have a billion dollars, but they should sort of be like, look, we're not as big as Riot. Of course, we can't do what they can do. But it's actually kind of not really like that if you notice in League. Especially because Riot has a reputation among network engineers as being industry leading. Um, oh, if, okay. uh, a lot of my friends who are themselves industry leading network engineers uh, have told me when they go to conferences um, that Riot people are often giving talks because they oh, bought oh. up so much private bandwidth to create their networks. Like they actually right. are extremely advanced in terms of network engineering, which means it's even more embarrassing that this could happen. And also those fucking Cisco ads during the stream talking about like zero ping. It's like, you, you got to take that away, guy. Like this is, oh, come on. You, you, they, they, it's just so, it's so embarrassing. Uh, I, oh. I, I can't imagine like how mad Cisco, like they must be in deep shit with that sponsor right now. To be fair they, though, that is on brand for American television though. Because on American television, if you don't know, you're watching like in here we are 60 minutes. There's all like fucking heart attacks coming of people this age. And then right after it's like, get the new double-double Arby's weapon. But like... What? Why is that ad right after? Like, so to be fair, that is on brand for American TV <laughs> on some level, you know. Like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. And now we're back to why all big food is going to kill you. Like, fuck, yeah. all right. <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, but what the, the whole, the thrust of this is just to say, like, I just wish Riot would be honest for once in their fucking existence. It's not so hard. Just say it's a business decision. Just yes. say, we need to do this for business reasons. I, I get it. I, I mean, I wouldn't. What tournaments? We know you have to get. You have to pay the bills to have the tournament. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Absolutely. Why they won't do that is because it exposes the fact that this is not yes. a sport; it's a marketing yep. exercise. Which is what I always say: is that League of Legends is a marketing exercise. It's not a sport or an esport. Actually, political with the shit that's going on with this tournament. You think about it, it's even that's even impinging on the sport aspect. Politics yeah. for fuck's sake. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and I understand that they have to have the Chinese team there. It's totally valid to say that either there's exactly. you have to. You just have to. This the same decision everybody knows in their heart of hearts that if PSG Talon had been in lockdown in Taiwan, that there's no way they would be participating in this tournament. The only teams that could have participated under these conditions were T1 and RNG. That's it. Those are the only teams that would have yes, been given absolutely. a concession. Um, we all know that's true. Even if Europe or, or NA couldn't make it, the tournament would have gone forward would. because those are the largest markets in terms of viewership. And those are the markets that will also draw viewership from foreign viewers at the same time. Now, we can say, okay, well, what has viewership been like? Uh, well, viewership capped out at about 800,000 peak concurrent viewers within the group stage. Um, according to ES charts, uh, you can that's actually pretty whack if you don't know because in CSGO we already had a match that was over a million and we're not in the playoffs yet right 
And you also, see, it's you know, so small again, it's not all China watching CSGO, you know? Yeah, and, and this doesn't include the Chinese streams. Oh, right. Apologies then. Okay. Fair yeah, yeah. This is just the Western streams. Right. Western and Korean. Um, okay. And, uh, basically everything but China. Uh, Actually, no one ever actually does know the Chinese numbers as far as I know. You just, also, like the Chinese numbers are always it. lies. Like, yes, you know, sure. So it's, it, it, maybe Riot gets real. I'm sure that there's not that much interest, though, all the same. Because you'd think with Korea and uh, America and it, that still should be good. That should be over a mil, sure. Yeah, what it's was, about the what past tournaments. Do you know what was like baseline for past ones? Well, let me tell you. Um, they're on ES charts right now, which does probably is the best site in terms of viewership yeah. tracking because they also track uh, co-streamers, everything like that. They won't track watch parties for this one, but that's still a very small minority of the viewership. Uh, but for Valorant, obviously, that's very important. Where seventy plus percent of the viewership comes off of the co-streams, but as of right now, according to ES charts, they have a they have a news post that was released. Uh, today, uh, it was released today that says that over six game days, the tournament matches, uh, had 17.3 million hours watched and the average concurrent audience of 440,000, both metrics turned out to be 37% lower than MSI 2021. So almost a 40% drop in hours watched and concurrent viewers, which are the two most important metrics. Um, so unless the viewership has gone up significantly in China, uh, you can really see that this event has been a bust. And again, like I said at the start of this episode, it's been hard finding people who watched, yes. experts in this game who watched this tournament. I've had so many tweets saying like, I wanted to watch EG versus G2 and, and maybe like some T1 stomps and that's about it. Uh, but after like one or two of those T1 stomps, you're just kind of done. You know, you're just like, well, I'll tune in next week when the games are good. So at least in this first stage, it has been really, really disappointing. And even if you go back to last year, guys, um, which, by the way, notice that doesn't fit the messaging. Because remember, one of the reasons we're told, here's the problem with Riot, Monty, they're not honest. Like, if they just openly told me, look, World Championship is more about the world part than the championship. It's more about represent the whole world. Because, by the way, that's even a cool angle of league. The whole world plays league. It does not play all the other major esports games. Yes. So when you do that, right, the problem is their whole rationale as to why it also made competitive sense to include minor regions is that minor regions would level up they'd get exposure, it would build out their fan bases, and you would have kind of basically what you have in Europe, but in every country was the dream. You'd have a whole domestic system with all leagues and people, and things would be blossoming. And blo If that's true, right, it's basically the same scenario I keep running into in female CSGO, Monty. This isn't going to be dangerous, don't worry. I save that for Twitter, right? <laughs> all I'm going to say is this. If people want to gaslight me, and I, by the way, I know where these numbers come from, and they're totally false. If they want to take all the gamers in the world, already a, a dodgy topic, and say 40% of them are women and therefore if for example women aren't represented in lcs it shows sexism right my obvious comeback goes like this wow if there's that many women why don't any of them watch female esports sounds like no one wants to watch female esports you, you've sort of done yourself on that one by setting up a silly scenario so same scenario if doing these tournaments helps build these regional why aren't they watching why isn't the no, whole world watching these shit games but here's here's the thing thorin here's the thing last year they were watching so for an example the top three matches at MSI in terms of peak viewership last year, you can guess them. RNG versus Dom One. That was number one, clearly. Number two was Dom One versus Mad Lions. LEC viewership's been doing very well. Oh. A lot of people are very passionate. It was a cool, like, Korea versus Europe matchup. The third one was not even a game from the Rumble stage. It was a game from the group stage. Was it DFM, it was, any chance? It, nope. That's the fourth one. Oof, it was okay. Pain Gaming 
versus Mad Lions had 1.15 wow, okay. million peak concurrent. Brazilians viewers. doing what? Brazilians Fair turned enough. up, man. And then the next one was Detonation Focus Me versus Dom One, which also had 1.15, slightly less. Quick. I'm pretty sure that'll be the one where like they were winning in that one because that's the one where everyone's like, get on, get yeah. in the game. Now yes. they're going yep. to lose. Like, yep. Yeah, that's, that's yes. where the whole world tunes in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, but there, my point is, is that as much as we hate these games, as much as we hate these games in terms of peak viewership and the third one or the fifth one, by the way, was C9 versus Dom Juan in group stage day one. Okay. Fair enough. So the point is, is that Riot is right that in previous years, that has actually been bigger. The group stage has had better viewership in terms of peak viewership than the rumble stage than the next stage of the tournament. So some of the minor regions Rise have up. turned up. People wanted to see C9 versus, versus Dom Juan Kia last year. Now, obviously the first two, but the, the second semifinal wasn't even in the top five. Yeah, there wasn't the PSGR and G one didn't make it in by yep. that logic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now probably it had a lot more Chinese viewership that one. So it probably oh, had more viewership yes. overall, but yes. I'm just looking at the Western viewership or Still, like one of the semifinal would not be one of the highest the, games. Or, yeah. This is the evidence of what non-Chinese fans care about. And so the minor regions have been delivering, you know, higher viewership overall. But I think after last year, this year, people are very, it seems like, jaded about the format. And you just simply haven't seen the the same level of, of viewership. Now, the most popular teams in terms of the MSI 2022 group stage, according to this article, are T1 by average viewers, 575, Dom, uh, uh, Det, uh, Dom one or a uh, detonation focus me rather. So DFM actually They're number two. Is yeah. Is that just by virtue of some of the games they played against T1? How does that work? Surely Japan doesn't have any lot on this audience. So I think it's because they're in the most competitive group with right. Vietnam. So um, people watch their games it's, against it's the other also, teams. It's also the T1 effect um, because the, the third most watched team by average concurrent viewer is actually ace. So I think it's really That's just mental. people wanting to yes. watch T1. And That's then the mental. fourth is Saigon Buffalo. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the fifth is G2. So I think it's really just the T1 Halo effect. Even though I've also helped that, to be fair, that Ace has some Koreans. Because yes. these yep. two teams have Koreans as well. DFM has them as well. That, that yep. might even help a little bit, you know. Yes, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically the the group A teams are the top four teams and the G2 is is the fifth, which which makes sense because a ton of Western fans and a ton of fans all over the world want to watch T1 and Faker play. So it is kind of expected. Uh, but these viewership metrics... Um, yeah, I, I, I think like it's last year it showed that as much as we hate it in a way, Riot is empowering viewership of international tournaments from the smaller regions, uh, well, by doing this. Now, obviously the question is then. This isn't interesting. That's the problem. If you're not from those places, that's just the way the world works, isn't it? Uh, obviously Guess the, que yeah, the question. Whacking a pinata awesome. Stop my shit. Just the way the world works, isn't it? The question though is like. Is this the right way? And we'll, we'll bridge this into the format topic because is there a way to get this viewership? Um, because I think part of it is the allure of these minor region teams and seeing what they can do against the major region teams. Like, I think the local fans of these teams want to see that. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that this is the best way to facilitate that. I would rather have like what you have with the world's play in where like the best of those teams then get to show off against the, 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 kind of better the, the seeds from the better regions if you also know what i mean the first matches are going to be more even like the plane because that's what happens in the plane isn't it like aside from the only problem in the plane is because you have 
a team from Korea and China going as well. This They wouldn't be in this phase is what Monty's talking about. Obviously, he would separate them out. And so instead, think about this. You're right, Monty. Basically, let's imagine a world where I'm not sure how you'd make the line. So let's just be really generous to LCS and say, I'll just make the line. LCK and LPL are the ones that get to skip. I won't make Europe skip and do the whole EU over anything, right? So let's imagine G2 and EG are in a plane against all these other teams, right? Yes, we now know G2 would have stomped everyone. But actually, EG and all those other games, those would be close games or they'd be interesting games or they'd have like they'd even be the factor like i give you an example when we were doing our predictions like it actually turned out the turkish team did lose to the the brazilian team you know there would have been way right. more parity in the games yeah and then obviously you can just do the really good part of the tournament later like to me another reason why you need to get rid of like, here's the problem with this tournament if i'm running the tournament it would only begin at the rumble stage if they're running the tournament, it has to have the playing angle, right? Let's just marry the two together. Have some sort of a playing angle and certain teams get out and then just have a massive double limb bracket. Right. Instead of I, and this is this is the same thing that we talked about coming into this event about what would be more exciting is just having a massive bracket, right? Wouldn't like, that be so cool? They could meet just, twice. Oh, it's so awesome. Right. And because I feel like the most... Uh, it's hard to argue because T1's matches were so popularly watched. Like they were the most on average... Like they had the most highest average concurrent viewers of all the matches. So like clearly people want to see T1 play no matter what team they're playing against. Um... I mean, in this and, scenario, they play more games in the playoffs, though, Monty, so that would right, even out. Right, but I, I think the, the main issue with this format for me is that we don't have answers to questions that I would really like, such as what happens when DFM meets Red Canids, right? Which looked like probably the two best teams that didn't make yes. it. And, like, I would like to see, I would genuinely like that to see a, low bracket match, yeah. a best of five between these two teams. Exactly. I would like to see that. Yes. Um, so the problem is, is, like, yes, with this format, you do get like kind of a mid-tier team against good teams and then a bad team but you never get to see like the mid-tier teams against other kind of mid-tier teams you could argue that saigon buffalo and dfm are approximately the same i think dfm should have won the the second game that the, those two team played um they threw it but i i i think like those to me are the most interesting matches that i would like to not see in a best of one but a best of five and that way you, you could have do a ti style dude you could have just had the teams that didn't get in the top placings be in the lower bracket and then play the but, game you want but i think and you want it's the argument against what you said earlier you're right apparently if you look at the numbers they did get viewership up from those minor regions but here's the problem monty you also just told me if t1 plays anyone it gets all the viewers guess what i would like <laughs> t1 to play 10 times in a fucking playoff not <laughs> once like that doesn't logically that doesn't make sense riot if you could read create that eight times why do it twice you know what i mean like that's that's the part where it doesn't make sense you you've done it to this level but you could blow the roof off I, I do think you need to give all of the teams like a second life and not do it ti style um like i said i wouldn't do even mean? have a, why, would, why didn't have a second life oh because it, i would put them all in the upper bracket start with everybody in the upper oh, bracket I, I, and just, look in the bracket you don't get a second life but you already played in the other stage that's what that was your first right, life right, mate right. you fucked that's up right. already i you would know? just not have a group stage that's what I'm okay. i would just not have a group stage i would just have a giant bracket like a 16 team bracket or an 18 bracket okay. um i guess you could do like an eight team upper bracket with four teams seated into the lower bracket um that would be another option um but i think it, which would probably be the best if they want 12 So teams. remember, people might not know this. TI didn't have the exact same format. They actually experimented with a lot of different brackets. They even had like MLG-style brackets where you just get four teams in an upper bracket and everyone goes through an enormous slot. So you could also do a world, by the way, if people don't know, where we have this bracket, but maybe the top teams from the group go to like a, a top semis or whatever, upper bracket final, and these other teams are also in the upper bracket, but they start earlier. Yep. They just play like a couple of matches so, to get into that. Yeah, you I can mean, do that what, as well. 
what you do is you do the 12, you do the three groups of four, you do the double best of one round robin, and then the bottom team in each group is automatically eliminated. There you go. Uh, um, and then, or I, I'm sorry, two of the teams are, no, you, you could just do it with all the teams, actually. You just put the four team teams, you just put the four teams in the lower bracket. Um, and so it'd be one third place team would be in the lower bracket, right? But that third place team would just be either the one with the worst winning percentage. So it'd be like a, you know, a one in five team or whatever. Um, and then if they're tied in terms of wins, losses, you play a tiebreaker for who's in the upper bracket and who's in the lower bracket is the eighth seed in the upper bracket. So it's pretty easy. It's actually very easy to figure out. Um, and then from there, you just have those teams, you know, waiting in the losers bracket. So the loser of the first round goes and plays all of the the bottom four seeds of the tournament. And then you play a double elimination bracket. That would immediately be a better format um, than yes. what's at MSI. So you just eliminate the rumble stage entirely. And you do one group stage into a 12 team double limb bracket with four teams waiting in the lower bracket. So I fixed it already. There you go. <laughs> secret is guess what we've already run the experiment boys it's in all the other esports games just go look at it just go look at the history of the esports that's the worst thing you yep. people don't realize why it's so frustrating to me i did watch 20 years and chronicle it like history and then there's people just keep coming along like i'm just going to invent esports like oh, i've already done it you idiots listen listen I mean, the the other option would be to do four groups of three and do double round robin. But the thing is, there are probably going to be a lot of tiebreakers in that yes. scenario. Uh, round robin's a nightmare for tiebreakers anyway. Well, but yeah. especially the fewer teams you have in a group, the more likely tiebreakers occur. Because the problem with League of Legends formats, guys, is because it's not like Counter-Strike or like Valorant or like Rainbow Six, um, there aren't there isn't a round differential as a tiebreaker. And the, the issue with having time or objectives or champion kills as a tiebreaker is if you choose a scaling composition and you want to play a longer game you can play a flawless game that you're simply not going to win as fast as somebody who plays a flawless game with a faster composition there's um, not a so, strong correlation between game time and how good correct. the team was yeah exactly I, and it's not like there aren't problems with that in counter-strike like yeah, if there's a ct-sided map and one team start, starts ct side and like gets a bunch of rounds you could have a very low round differential um, even though one team was like disadvantaged at the start because of the map itself. So it's not perfect in Counter-Strike, nope. but it is a fuck ton better because it, it, you, both teams have the opportunity to play both sides of the map in every single game. So even if it's CT-sided, you get the advantage at some point in time. Um, so it, it's better. And it and it also leads to fewer tiebreak scenarios where you have to play a tiebreaker match. It, it will never get away from that in League of Legends where a tie score will mean you have to play a tiebreaker match. It's the only way to do it in this game. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's the, that's the main takeaway here. And as, as we look at these format options, there are ways because the goal should be, it, it's clear from viewership metrics that top teams against minor region teams do produce viewership. So you don't want to get rid of that, but you also want to be able to have kind of like a minor region rumble where there are elimination matches in a best of five played between minor regions. Cause that's just interesting. Like I would like to know who the best minor region team is. Like, I want to know whether whether it's PSG Talon or, um, you know, the Saigon Buffalo or Detonation Focus Me or like these teams. I want to know which could make the make it the furthest, deepest run in the lower bracket. That's really fun for me. Um, and I think that's what's that's what's lacking. Oh. So. I don't know. It seems like the the overall excitement has faded about this format and that there are many, many other things that could be done uh, within this 
within the situation. Again, guys, uh, I'll, I'll leave the link below the YouTube video to the ES Charts article so you guys can look it up yourself. I'll just go ahead and drop it in Twitch chat right now for you. Um, but yeah. And then also, I mean, obviously the level of hype heading into this tournament was very low. Uh, we didn't really, I mean, the hype trailer they released had a bunch of teams that weren't even attending MSI. Also, the name MSI is both boring and a lie because teams aren't invited, they qualify. So that doesn't even make any fucking sense. Like an invitational is when you select teams and invite them to an event. A tournament is yes, that would be a great idea. That would be a great idea, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that would uh, actually be a better idea. <laughs> it's not a tournament that you get an automatic seed in by qualifying within your region. That's not that's not an invitational. Like people, Riot doesn't understand what words mean. Uh, and also, technically, RNG didn't even accept the invite. They didn't even come. Just saying <laughs> words and that, you know. <laughs> Fuck words, right? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I mean I think the whole the whole thing is is pretty like clearly broken. I hope they'll fix it. But we've been hoping they would like it was obvious this tournament was bad for hardcore fans of the game when it was announced. It's a tragedy because it's one of two international events that we have every year. We don't get to see that much international competition. And it's a fucking letdown that we have three best of fives only at the second most important tournament of the year. It shouldn't be is like you know, Monty, that this format actually sucks. Because here's the problem, right? If you can have a scenario where either one team not attending cripples the competitive like, Twitter. tournament, or on top of that, like, like we had, if an underdog like EG qualifies, that also fucks the tournament interest and means that suddenly you're now down to three teams that can potentially do anything. At the, like, that, that's just a sign, by the way, that that format was only surviving by you getting lucky and the best teams all qualifying and then there not being these problems. Like, yep. th like, if people don't know, when you have a brilliant format, like the reason the TI format to me has just shown itself to be the best, it's because it doesn't even matter who qualifies for TI, Monty. It's amazing every single year. It doesn't even matter who goes out. Like, if people don't know, in TIs, sometimes the best team in the world has gone out like seventh to eighth and the tournament was still fucking amazing. Can you even imagine MSI if T1 went out in the fucking rumble stage, that anyone would give a fuck about MSI or go, it was one of the greatest of all. No, no one would care. No one would care. So that, that, in my opinion, a good structure supports so many more like different varied fields, underdogs making it. Unfortunately, the problem with the riot system, it's the same in worlds itself, is you're just relying on sort of the teams to fix it for you by just being amazingly good and sort of the, the wrong teams not winning the games, as it were. I'm not a fan of that in general, because as anyone knows, the worst feeling ever when you have a thing like this where you've waited six months for Worlds is you're waiting for that amazing quarters match and then one BO1 bullshit tiebreaker ruins it and you're like, no, well, that's, no, I'll just wait. I guess I'll wait another year. Oh, no, I won't because those teams won't be the same then. I've missed my one chance to see this game. That sucks. And also, you notice they still haven't created it, Monty. Of all the things they refuse to do, they refuse to allow a format in which Korean, uh, sorry, Europeans and Americans can play each other without being better than Korea or China. That second part of the sentence is what makes it functionally impossible, you idiots. There was one team ever in the history of legal. I mean, you can maybe count Fnatic as well. There's two teams ever we've had 
in the modern era that could even do that and they were the greatest to ever play like again you're asking teams to make the format good you make the format good you're right make it so that somehow they meet in a best of five I'm, I'm telling you that would have been such a great game every single year of League of Legends even now by the way sure the group stage ruined it because they played all those games but the real G5 EGB BO5 who wouldn't have watched that at the beginning of MSI right. that would be great and this is one of the things we talked about in the last show hyping it up is like you know this is the the opportunity here for G2 uh, versus EG in a way, I liked the quad round robin because we got a proxy best of five, except there was like days off or like a few hours off in the case of the last two games to make adjustments. So it was kind of like a best of five, four games in this case, spread out over a number of days, which made for very inter like interesting strategies and like ability to try new things and create set plays. And, you know, this was a this was a cool opportunity to see NA versus EU because as a reminder, guys, there has been one NA versus EU match in three years, in the last three years. There's been one best of five in and three way, years. Do you know the reason why, Monty? Because not only did G2 beat fucking Fakers T1, but fucking Jensen had to beat Rookies World Championship IG for that game to take place. Spoiler, <laughs> that's never going to happen again. That that was a unicorn, boys. And, they, and then obviously as well, Monty, we get one, and it's the worst, by definition, the worst best of five probably in those three years among top teams. Because that was the record breaking, like, you know, fucking in, in speed run home or whatever for NA, wasn't it? That TL yep. one. It was garbage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, uh, you know, it is disappointing, and we could see more of these if they would just if they had a loser's bracket, we would see more yep. of them, and it would be really fun to watch these matches and really fun to talk about them. Uh, but we can't have nice things. So this is the closest we're going to get. Uh, it was disappointing. Well, if you're EG, it was kind of awesome to watch G2. I'm not going to lie. It gave me a lot of hope for them. No. <laughs> like, there, there's a non-zero chance they can win this tournament, I, I would oh, say. Yes, there is. And also, I want to say this as well. This is going to be controversial, because, spoiler, I just say what I think, and if you don't think the same way to me, spoiler, you don't even have a brain that works the same as mine. You're not going to have the same thoughts. Just a little fucking margin note there. So here's what I'm going to say right now. Mate, you know each, you know G2, what was the streak that they're on now? It's 20? Yeah, they've won 20 BO1s, not BO1s, they've won 20 games of league in a row, right? Now, true, four were against order, Right. So of that 20, if you want, take four off, make it 16. But you can still do it 20, right? That means, though, remember, because it started in the playoffs, Monty, all the other games were against Fnatic twice, Rogue, fucking who was the other one? Misfits, and then uh, now they did EG, right? The, these the, were the NA champion, the number these, one NA team. These are all top teams, right? Here's the statement that people won't understand. In a, in a very specific context, that's actually more impressive than T1's undefeated running career because theirs was series. Yep. Theirs was series. I'm, I'm not joking. This is what people won't understand when I make this statement, Monty. So whatever, I'll say it. I, if you actually did put T1 in the same scenario, you can't guarantee they would win 20 games in a row because it's League yeah. of Legends. Anyone can lose a BO1, anyone. By the way, spoiler, even G2 Sorbus lost some of these games in the in the domestic region, obviously, and obviously they did lose some otherwise. Oh, I shouldn't have said flat twice, they lost the first one there. But you get my point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yes, I, like, obviously they, G2 struggled in the, at the start of the LEC playoffs, but once they... You that know, is insane hit, to hit win 20 games in a row, and especially yeah. this competition. That is not such. That is really impressive. I'm serious. 
Yeah, especially because it was the caliber of competi competition. It didn't happen in the regular season. It happened yes. in the playoffs. It happened in best of series. Best of series, oftentimes you're trying to be experimental or like take a shot on some picks, knowing that you have a, a cushion of losses that you can uh, you can kind of lean against if if the worst comes to pass. And they haven't had any of that. And even even nonsense games like the last game between EG and G2, which literally meant nothing. There was yes. no incentive for them to win. They still won. Uh, so... I, I, I want to wrap up the format talk and then we'll we'll have a conversation about the the games and, and the the teams. Uh, the format, as as Thorin alluded to, is a point that I made on Twitter, which is that the format is fund fundamentally broken if the competitive integrity can be destroyed by one team. And in this case, and people will say, oh, it's not RNG's fault. It's when when I say one team, I mean the seed guys. Yes. I mean whoever represents that seed. Because Korea and China, the, Korea, the number one in Korea and Chinese seeds have inordinate amounts of power because the tournament cannot happen without them, which means you have created a bad format. If the tournament is unwatchable without either of these two teams participating, then these teams can bend rules and competitive integrity to suit them they can hold the event hostage knowing that they are so if they did that obviously yeah. hypothetically but imagine if they did it'd be crazy <laughs> wouldn't it and, and i'm not saying i'm not saying that they are intentionally doing this i'm not trying to accuse rng of any malfeasance in this situation but there's their scenario bends the world of competitive integrity in their favor Right. You know what? We need to start actually leaning into memes, Monty. So now that we get a little bit of funding with our company, I'm going to do stuff like I'm going to actually, this is a joke, obviously, I'm going to actually, you know, in true Korean tradition, I'm going to actually pay for a wreath to be delivered to the network engineers of Riot for this tournament. <laughs> Just, you know, thought I'd join in, get in the spirit, right? Why not? <laughs> yeah, the old Korean memes. I love that. <laughs> so, so when we're talking about this, guys, if you make a, if you make a different comparison, so for example, if one Chinese Chinese seed didn't attend Worlds, we still have a good tournament. If yes. all three Chinese teams don't attend Worlds, we still have a good tournament because the Korean teams are at least competitive with each other. The problem is, is that you have made a format so bad and the winner so obvious from the get-go without something totally unexpected happening. And by the way, something can totally unexpected happen even if you have a good tournament. Yeah, of course. Like, of course. G2 yes. and Fnatic made World yes. Finals. Nobody fucking predicted that, exactly. right? Uh, and so... You cannot have formats where the competitive you can't design things where the competitive the, the the power of competitive integrity is now in the hands of the teams as opposed to the tournament organizer. It is the fatal flaw within the format of MSI, and it needs to be changed so that this can't continue to happen. Because what would you think of this? What if for worlds you just give the major regions four slots each, but MSI is the top two? Yeah. So it's a mini worlds, but it's not worlds. Still not worlds. It won't count the same as what. Well, but it means that if if you, if RNG does bad, the other team does well. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. That would that would be a very good tournament, I think. Yeah, and also if China couldn't attend, you would still have at least two Korean teams exactly. there. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing like a T1 Genji rematch in the finals of MSI. Like it would not ruin my experience to to have that. If Korea couldn't attend, it wouldn't ruin my experience to have like the RNG top rematch, right? Because it would and be then technically. NA could finish 7th to 8th at MSI. Yeah. I'm, that wasn't why I crafted that, guys. That wasn't like... <laughs> I didn't reverse engineer that to create that scenario. That's just a happy coincidence, wasn't it? You know? Which, again, just renamed to Not Invitational. The Mid-Season Qualification Tournament. How about that? That's a pretty good name, isn't it? Yeah. MQT. I, how about you just give it a fucking name? This is what I don't understand. Mid-Season Invitational has no prestige to it. Like... 
I don't even understand why it's called Worlds. Why isn't it just called the Summoner's Cup? Oh, no, I'm with you, mate. Here's why I don't get why they've done this, because I think it's very silly. Admittedly, in tennis, it's not like they agreed this. This just happened to be how it worked out. Like, obviously, originally in tennis, Wimbledon was the World Championship, wasn't it, right? But in the modern day, there is actually some degree of parity between the four Grand Slams. And so I actually think it's silly, mate, to just throw this tournament away. But like, as you're saying, it's sort of like, it's not quite counts as a Worlds, half Worlds, but it's not Worlds. Like, why are you devaluing the second tournament? Like, why not? just have two tournaments with a different theme like you're saying and different, different fucking name. cool yeah i think that'd be great <laughs> yeah just call it after the trophy or like brand it in a different way so it's a like it's just so confusing to me that they think this sounds prestigious like i feel like if you rebranded msi as you know as uh, the Dragon Showdown, that's a stupid name, but that's just an example, right? You give it a particular branding that is unique to itself, that has an aesthetic to it, it also feels more prestigious to win it. And you don't have to, sure. look, Worlds is a, is a dumb name, but it's it's not as dumb as MSI by like a long shot. And you can keep Worlds because it, it just says what it is. The World Championship has the most prestige, but at least you create some sub-event that isn't just mid-season invitation. Like, who thought of that? That is so horrific. Just, just call it something. Give it, give it some weight to it. Give it some meaning. It's just completely. Mi it, it, it doesn't. It's not even what it says it is. It's not an invitational. Mid-season makes it sound like it's trivial because it sounds like <laughs> the that you're putting it within the context yeah, of the season. So it's just like it says that the season is more important. And mid-season is just this halfway point. By the way, in Amer for at least for Americans, all you think about is fucking all stars, which is meaningless, which happens in the middle of sports seasons. Dude, imagine if, imagine if they really did that as well. They were like, it's the mid-season tournament. I'm the champion. Yeah, but who won the end of the season? Yeah, but I was the mid-season. No one gives a fuck, mate. And then it, like, that's just mad in itself, in it? I don't know. Why even bother? Also, by the way, along the lines, because we never brought this up, but this is actual. Like, these, the use of these words hurts my brain, Monty. How can there be the mid-season invitational? And you know they rebranded the LCS playoffs for spring as the mid-season showdown. Can you just yeah. get the fuck out of my mind? Just, you're just violating words in my mind. Like, what are you? You're doing the words dirtier than you do the fucking teams in these tournaments, boys. Like, that's, that's so dumb, because already by the way you do know technically monty in some sense showdown almost sounds better than invitational but it's just the lcs playoffs and it's only lcs has that why why is only lcs got a mid-season call why is europe just the playoffs what what are we doing here what are we doing with words why have why have words become so silly i want to know riot is a, a crime against the english language. It. i know it is isn't it <laughs> and we've already talked about the irony because the fact that they're called riot ma makes it sound like they're they're all about chaos and like upsetting the status quo when they are they are just like the most authoritarian, single-minded, cultish company you have ever seen in your life, where any dissent is immediately people. cracked down upon. They're like a they're like the SWAT team busting up oh, the protesters, dude. Any protester immediately just gets a club to the knees, and they're like. But we're we're riot guys. We're riot. It's just the oh, branding listen, is so terrible. I'm with you on the name riot being terrible, but the actual <laughs> massive red fist. If you, because it just flies into the actual Orwell quotes and like you want a vision of the future, esport moba motherfucker, a giant red fist smashing you in the face over and over and over while trying to chase. Like fuck, what the fuck? Why have you got that band in? Like just make it like a fucking pigeon or something, some cool. You know, like what? What are we doing? This is my little. <laughs> it's two on the nose, two on the nose, boys. 
I mean, they could have kept the red. So I just just think when I see that fist, it's like, give me a break. And also, if you just all brawls, maybe a massive fist is really the answer, you know, again. <laughs> also not the answer. The, the, the frat boy fist bumping, probably not the, the cultural image that exactly. you would uh, portray right now. <laughs> they could have just kept the color red and just had uh, their logo be a cup of Kool-Aid, which would be much more, you know, in keeping with the, the tone mm-hmm. of the company. Got to drink it to join. There. I mean, listen, everyone who goes to these tournaments has to drink the Kool-Aid. Like I said earlier, some of the aforementioned people I named, like, I apologize for criticizing <laughs> something that I didn't realize was related to China and not normal reality. Like, give me a break. All right, mate. Yeah, okay. I understand you want to live and you do live there, so fair enough. You do what you got to do, mate. You do what you got to do, I guess. Ain't for me. Ain't for me. Well, that, that will do it with our extremely long rant about all the ping issues all of the format issues, all of the competitive integrity rematch issues. It, it, honestly, this was the bread and butter of MSI. The sad thing is, is the tournament's been so shit that this is actually the most interesting and pertinent parts about this is what went wrong and what needs to change because the game them, games themselves were boring and dog shit for the most part. And also because of the ping issues, because of the practice issues, because of the gap in competitive ability within the teams. We can't even really speculate about what's coming up in the next stage because we don't even think teams were playing for real or they couldn't play for real because the practice environment wasn't giving them the opportunity to really, you know, align what was going on in practice with what could happen on stage. So it's a whole hot mess. If you want to get into the actual games, Monty, I want to do my thing where I pick what I think is the best. Go on. Hold up. up. Before we do that, we will get in the games. We got to tell you. Thanks to Esports Bet for sponsoring this segment of Summoning Insight. They can sponsor the whole show today, in fact. Uh, true. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you very much. If you guys want to head over to esportsbet.io, use our referral link below. Play for free with DJT in the World's Prediction Series. They'll top you up, up to 5,000, 1,000 a day. You guys can make some make some wagers with free money on the matches, or you can deposit crypto and play with crypto if you like to do that instead. And they've got the World's Prediction Series with DJT, their proprietary token for free. Get up to 60,000 this first stage when the World Championship starts. You can start earning. There's a right on the front page of the website. You can click on the link. You'll see the prize tiers. You can win up to $300,000 yourself just for playing for free. It's fun. We have Competitive Edge LOL and CSGO where we use the, uh, we kind of make predictions and preview matches uh, based on the odds on the website. So we can say, hey, what is the chance of an upset? Or how do we think these teams match up in terms of early game potential? So you can watch that show on this channel or on the Inside on Esports CSGO channel. Remember, subscribe to all our shit and follow the Twitch channel if you want to watch it live. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so now we can get in the game. So, so you here's where game. I want to start, because here's <laughs> the problem I have, right? Which is, you know, that whole storyline which dominated and actually overshadowed EG's win was the whole topic that, like, they're geniuses for picking up the young NA talent. It was all about the NA talent. It was about Giorgio Pion outperforming the other oh, mids. Boy. It was about Danny carrying the games. Oh, here's the problem with that. It even included a joke by Peter Dunn, which is a totally legit piece of banter, like, where we would have won the finals 4-0 with Jensen, because obviously the 3-0, he can't do better than 3-0. Here's the problem with all that gas. All that gas you were blowing, guys, is when you then come to the tournament and get ultra shit on by G2 and your NA players don't even look vaguely like they're chopping it up with caps and people like that. 
then it does look a bit silly. Like, here's the problem. You know what's mad? I actually feel like, even though in the long run, obviously you want to go to MSI, you want to get the reps and you want to get the experience. In a fucked up way, I actually think the failure of Cloud9, 100 Thieves and Team Liquid actually put EG in a silly position. Realistically, I think EG should have been like the second or third best team in the playoffs and maybe got yeah. one or two of those wins, which, by the way, would be perfectly tracking with where their players are and where their team is. And that would actually make them not a laughing stock in any sense. They would actually have shown a really good performance. They wouldn't get to this tournament. Instead, we'd be watching like TL get their head smashed in now or C9 or something. They'd still probably lose, but they'd be more competitive. And actually, EG then would be like, right, now our goal is get to Worlds. Instead, they were thrown in here too quickly. They never were going to be able to compete with these teams, unfortunately. And actually, the nightmare scenario for them was, even though on paper it looked like he'd actually dodged some of the big super teams from Europe, the joke is G2's been powering up ever since the lower bracket began to the point that now, minus Flackhead, actually every player on their team is really good like the joke is they sort of backdoored their way into a pretty good fucking roster like Targamas now is just mustard mate he's just proven like their whole team's too good for EG that's the problem so unfortunately if you're EG I don't blame you you actually did the best you could with your team but this is why as much as it's cool to win LCS in a miracle fashion with two NA players in AD and mid it's like yeah, do something for me internationally, mate. Come on. Like, the problem is Jensen does fucking win games internationally, mate. He does. He's really good. He's really good. He's been Gen G and everything. So, a, a few a few points to address. I think Flackett actually has been playing very well, but I, I also think he's the worst player on his team, which yeah, I think is the point fair. you're actually making, which is yes. not... That's not offensive, guys. It's no, not no. offensive. Somebody has to be the worst player on the team. He's a rookie. He's, he's a rookie. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. It's the same thing. People, people didn't understand this. When we talked about... Jojo Pion being the worst player on EG, that's not necessarily a problem. It's no, just no. we have to be honest about who the worst player on the team is. And there were two different eye tests for me going into uh, MSI, one the, the G2 and the EG one, right? And the problem with, with the eye test when it came to evaluating them for international events is G2 looked like they had stepped up. Um, there were several factors now, part it's always going to be part of the problem that their opponents, you know, people like Rogue, uh, underperformed again uh, when it came true, yeah. to when push games to shove push game to shove against G two. But also G two, we didn't know how Targamas and Flacid would perform in front of a crowd. They hadn't done that before. There, that was a huge X factor for them. Um, caps had been bad for a lot of this year. Caps didn't look like the Caps of old. Holy shit, when Caps got in front of a crowd again, he has been absolutely jaw-dropping in fucking credible. His place in MSI. Yeah, exactly. He looks amazing. Yes. Um, and he looked amazing once he got back in front of a crowd in the in the playoffs in LEC as well. I don't know. Some players just do that, guys. Some players are just land crowd players. And I don't know if Caps was just hibernating while there wasn't any excitement or if he, you know, he he can't get himself jazzed up in the same way that he can when he's in front of this live audience, when it really feels like uh, you feel the energy, you know that everything's on the line. It's not like the same as scrims. Where you're like, well, I guess I have an official match now, but you're sitting on your same computer in the same quiet room with the same people that you have all week. It's hard to flip the switch in terms of your mindset. That's, that's very difficult. And it's sure. it's not something that sports psychology prepares you for, guys. Do you know why? Because that doesn't happen in traditional sports. There's always yes. a crowd. There's always a crowd. I guess in the pandemic, you know, the NBA had to deal with this when they went into like oh. that bubble in Florida. Maybe that was 
part of you know, who knows if that affected the player. That is considered, by the way, for real. In it's in it's in a yeah. That's one of the reasons. It basically, happened in two sports. In NBA, people do say that the Lakers have a plastic ring that doesn't count. They didn't play in front of a crowd. And then in the Premier League, actually, Liverpool won the Premier League, which had been waiting decades to do, Monty. And everyone does say like, well, there was no crowds or whatever. It wasn't the same crowds or whatever. So like that that is sort of considered an asterisk because you didn't do it at the top normal conditions. Yeah. The well, other end also, as well about caps is I think if you look at his champion pool I also think he was doing what a lot of mid laners do which is another reason you become more of the mage player it's because you can like fix holes for your teammates on the map and you can make it more stable and it's not as risky like here's the problem you play a Silas game and you fuck up mid lane and die two times now you can't go and cover for bot and help that guy if he's having issues or he hasn't got the like that's the problem I think once the rest of the team got in play that's what I also feel like that like unleashed the, the old caps to be caps again you know I, I mean, yes, I think that's probably part of it. But there also was a dramatic difference in his play when the crowd got there. And to my point about sports psychology, we take a lot of uh, all of the learnings of sports psychology, right, come from the fact that these people are trained in traditional sports uh, in order to help athletes. There, It's only now that we're getting people who have, like, dedicated their career to esports. So it's a new field. But even traditional sports athletes, the problem that you face is translating practice into a, a real match or not getting rattled in front of a live audience. These are the things that sports psychologists have experience in. No one has ever, because again, the entire history of sports is live crowds, is live crowds. So I don't, I would imagine that there isn't much or any data on how to help somebody who doesn't have a live crowd, right? It's like, who has ever tried to solve the performance issue of, this person suddenly is playing a real match in a practice condition. That's why you fuck because people happen? don't know. Think about the number one way traditionally you overcome fear: exposure therapy. I've yep. got. Any, I have no ability. I have no opportunity to expose myself. I can only do it when I'm in the tournament, and there are only two of my year at this scenario. You know, like right. And there's also no. There's also no fear in this scenario. It's like the absence of fear and the absence of that energy in order to perform. It's the same stakes but without any of the trappings or environment of those stakes. And like, because that's not something that has happened in traditional sports, I imagine it was quite the problem during these NBA playoffs as well for players that thrive in that environment. It would be like, oh, we're just on a court practicing like we do at home, you know, doing drills or whatever. No, no crowd, um, just on the court in silence. Like it's a weird environment. And I would be really surprised if, Sports psychologists could help in this situation because it's such it's uncharted territory for the discipline, as far as I can tell. I welcome you to tweet at me and I will retweet you if you are a sports psychologist and can tell me how you help players with this or if there's even any research on this. Because, again, I would be shocked if there was. Oh, yeah. um, they're all going to tweet at Monty now because they're all like Melding Green fucking snake oil sales. They'll all go, well, my system, Monty, actually does <laughs> include a fucking, uh, you know, sort of trial test run where I have like people just like Muppets, their crowd go, boo, boo, and they're <laughs> It's like they'll have sure. some bullshit, man. They'll have some angle. I don't sure. know. They always but, do. But but you know, the point the point is the same. It's like, you know, how do you help a player like Caps when it's a, such a bizarre scenario that doesn't have any parallels within your actual discipline's entire sure. body of existence? Uh so anyway, this is all to say Caps coming back online is is very fascinating. But back to my original point. We're we're rewind there. Um EG or like we didn't know G2 was going to perform. We didn't know their rookies were going to perform this well. We didn't know that perhaps part of a big reason behind Caps' slump was the absence of the crowd and of the emotional stakes within a situation because he's been performing a lot better since he got in front of the crowd again. 
Uh, and the team like clicking in terms of the meta at the right time, but it was more in this case, G2 seemed to overcome their opponents and to do it via proactive and good play. Now, here's the problem. The other storyline is this one, and this is a correct prediction that I said about EG, which is that they are going to struggle mightily at this event because even their flaws were not punished within the LCS. When Danny was fucking dying in the lane, and on Jinx, and he wasn't being camped and dove repeatedly and was allowed to come back into these games by his opponent. This is not how many international teams play. You die like that internationally, they are there up your asshole 24 7 the in the T1 bot lane. Game. You know the T1 game where the yes. Syndra roamed bot and got a kill, yes. and then they just were like, we are going to fuck this guy's life for the rest of the game. They just fucking perma dived and made the whole yes. game carrier, didn't they? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so. So, you know, when you see these mistakes, like giving up these kills and then NA teams basically just sitting there and letting Danny scale on these hyperscaling picks with that they they need him to be online because he is their main source of damage on these on these compositions and a good international team, he would never be in those games. He would never be in those games. And so there was a big problem with the style that they were playing. There was a big problem with the fact that Jojo Pion is a low economy mid laner at the time being. And if you guys want proof of this, just go back to our show earlier this year where we talked to Peter Dunn and I say to him things that I noticed that no one else has articulated up to this point in time. I was the one who figured this out and directly asked him, which as I said, last year, Danny was a low economy bot laner. And what do you, his job was basically to farm and to be assigned to waves to push towers and to not really, you know, team fight when necessary. But for the most part, the resources were being poured into Jazuke in the mid lane. And I said, was this a strategy? Because they were doing the same thing with Jojo Pian in Lock-In, where if you look at CS taken after 15 minutes, like the share of farm, it's very low. And I said, are you doing this so that you don't put the carry pressure so much on your rookie players? It's because now they do it a lot with Danny, but Danny took a while in order to get up to speed. And I think it's a very smart system. And, you know, Peter Dunn basically said, yes, like this is this is what we do. Um, because you don't want to overwhelm a new player with too many jobs that they have to do or too much pressure. And it totally makes sense, guys. And I think Jojo Pion will be a good mid laner probably next year. And I think this tournament is good for EG because the international experience these players are getting is extraordinary. Again, oh. these guys haven't had a chance to boot camp in Korea. They've never played against teams this good before. The amount of information and learnings they will get from this tournament will be enormous. And it's going to be ugly now. It's going to be very ugly. Uh, but it will be good in the long run. Had, I think, had Liquid gone, I think had 100 Thieves gone, this would be less ugly than it is uh, right now. I think they would perform better at this international stage, but they didn't win. They shit the bed domestically, and they proved themselves incapable of punishing the mistakes that EG was making. But now you're seeing what happens when those mistakes are delivered on an international stage. And G2 has taken those mistakes. They've run with it. Um, all of the problems that you've seen from EG that were unpunished are coming through. Jojo being too aggressive in the mid lane at times and giving up kills. Danny and Vulcan having a weak 2v2 and dying. Uh, Jojo Pian over-pressuring in a side lane and getting himself caught out. Uh, what happens when Impact has a bad game? Uh, which, 
he doesn't rarely, he doesn't usually have at this level of competition, but he did have a bad game on Gwen in the third game, I believe, of G2 versus EG, and the whole thing just came apart. I mean, he was he was one of the big reasons why they were able to almost come back in the second game, and when he also had a bad game, it was even worse. Uh, so, By the way, another thing to say as well is, the problem was, and this was to me blatantly obvious, I'm amazed other people genuinely had hype for EG. To me, the genius was the way the coaching staff did the things you said to make the players comfortable yep. and gradually grow them into players that Very could smart. carry. Because the problem was, that was never going to be able to even be possible at the MSI level. Like, at the MSI level, you'll never even be in position in the game to do that. Like, you're not even going to be in ahead at certain points or playing even. Like, you're, just, you're playing against better players. Because I'll give them a quick analogy as to why that's actually a very shrewd coaching strategy. Right, here's a story people might not know because it's an old school NBA story, but the original dynasty in the NBA was the Celtics of the 1960s, right? And they won with Bill Russell 11 championships in 13 years. And Bill Russell was the not just the like center and the captain of this team a long time, but in the later years, he even became the coach as well as the player because he was at the end of his career and he won so many championships, right? And he told a story once about how to be a great leader and a great teammate. I thought it was mega because no other teammate I've ever heard, no other player I've heard who's a superstar in sports would do this approach. They would do the opposite the superstar normally goes like look i get my numbers if you can't then get the fuck out and get the coach get someone in here who can what he did was there was a young player i think it was actually don nelson the guy who became a coach later i forget it was some player who was just a young shooter right and he said this guy was so young and so inexperienced he, you could see him like shaking in games and he would he wasn't he couldn't do his job basically he was too nervous so what bill russell told him is because bill russell was one of the best rebounders in the nba he told this guy look don't ever worry about getting a rebound in these games you just run out to your spot where you want to take your shot from i get the rebounds and then when we get up there we'll give you some shots and basically right in doing so he empowered this guy to do one of the only things just a shooter just spot up and shoot he, he empowered this guy to not have to worry about the other stuff you're not comfortable with yes. do this and by the way the great ending to the story is that guy made like a game winning shot in like game 7 in like 1969 and won them like the championship or something so this is essentially like it's a great way to bring people in the problem is you're essentially sort of propping them up now yes. when you take the props out it's not fucking they're not Rock Lee they can't just instantly be like right, now the training words are off like now they're gonna have to learn they're gonna have to struggle all over again like guess what Caps isn't gonna let George Opion get away with the shit he was doing in mid lane like as you say Danny was never gonna get away with that against fucking G2 like this was never gonna happen was it it was a naive dream like it's a beautiful dream but it's a dream nonetheless <laughs> yeah and, and also I think the meta has gone against EG in a lot of ways uh, and I think yes. we do we, you know there have been a couple of patches uh, since the since the playoffs of, of most of the regions um, and also the ping. The ping is a it's a big warper of the meta right now. And it, what do you think? What, like, can you give some examples of where you think if things have come about that wouldn't have yes. if we were on the zero ping? Sure. Okay. So let's talk about what ping does in League of Legends, um, because probably very few of you who are watching this show, be, by virtue of speaking the English language, have a lot of experience on zero ping League of Legends. Uh, unless you play on the Korean server in solo queue, you probably have. 30 to 60 ping if you're at NA. Maybe you have like 20 to 50 if you're in Europe, right? But as as you know, and also probably most of you have never played on different ping. You've only played on one ping consistently because yes. um, um, you haven't been traveling the world, right? That's probably, and playing League of Legends. Um, but for professional players, what this means is that uh, Unless you live in very specific locations, and even if you live in those locations, you've never played on high ping, probably, or higher ping. You've never played on what the pro players were playing on, which was 60 to 70 ping. So, all that said, 
what happens is when you it it ruins your chance to react because by the time you see an animation or see a champion doing something, you now have a delay on from seeing it to your input of a command. Yes. So reacting to abilities or reacting to ganks or reacting to positioning in team fights is now delayed in a way that you are unaccustomed. And it makes reacting with flash or reacting with yes. ability actives really fucking hard. Uh, and what this means is that you have to predict those abilities, which obviously is unreliable in and of itself. So you can end up wasting crucial five minute long cooldowns like flash. And so it ends up changing the meta because you have to play champions that ha are more forgiving yes. in terms okay. of right. what you do in the game. Now let's talk about this in terms of other meta changes. Um, for EG, a big one probably is Gale Force. Uh, the cooldown of Gale Force being increased by 20 seconds. Now, Gale Force is an item active that if you're playing low mobility AD carries, unless you're playing like Tom Kench, obviously, with the Jinx, where you might run Kraken Slayer instead, you might run Gale Force on Jinx, or you will be running Gale Force on Aphelios, most likely, for example. Um, this makes it very difficult because if you use the Gale Force to predict something instead of reactively, it now has a longer cooldown, which means you are vulnerable for an additional 20 seconds with this with this item. That also right for making so many other champions have fucking dashes, reset, like that you had to give ADCs a fucking uh, an item that lets them go forward. It's like, what are you doing? Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> so so nerfs to Gale Force, I think, are really big for EG. Uh, when comboed, it's like the combo of that with the the higher ping environment on LAN is tough for them because they like to play Jinx. And Jinx is a... It's hard to say low mobility because she gets, she gets really fast with resets, but um, difficult to dodge a lot of skill shots. So if you're using Flash or Gale Force in order to do that, you're now blowing a long cooldown with Flash and a longer cooldown than it used to be with Gale Force. Um, in order to dodge that ability, which means that your Jinx is more vulnerable. And when all of your damage is coming from the Jinx, that's fucking hard if you're EG. Like, you cannot really play the way that you did in playoffs. Also, Jinx is more vulnerable. She got nerfed in the laning phase. She lost 50 HP in laning, which is huge, right? So it's it's like it's like a triple whammy in some ways for EG. So the meta going against them, the ping going against them, the, the patches going against them, that's... That's fucking tough. I mean, basically, um, one thing you're saying as well is it essentially skews the game a bit more on the spectrum from mechanics towards decision making. Because yep. like a classic example for me of what you can never replicate if you ever play online. And if you play the ADC role online, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you go back and watch the rise of season four death, when he is in team fights, you can see he's on zero ping. He is fucking instantly reacting when people come to flash here, move here, reposition. It's like, it's unreal. You can't do what him and Uzi I were doing that year on like 60 ping. You'll, ne you'll never be able to react like that. Yours, you already weren't capable humanly of doing it, but like you're fucked if you try that at 60 ping, boys. I didn't fake a one saying an interview, something mental like 30 ping. It's like, you can't do anything on it. So then obviously I just imagined every Western player like fake and ball, please, bro. <laughs> bro, that's my life. You know I mean? like, <laughs> So, so, you know, this, we've already seen how, how the, how this affects the professional scene, like these changes. Um, and it also means that we're seeing a lot more hard engage compositions because guess what's harder to dodge? 
Yes. Alistair engages, especially because Alistair can, it's not an ult for him to engage on you, right? Like he doesn't have to commit his ult in order to do that. It's on a lower cooldown. So we have seen a lot of Alistair, not a lot of success with Alistair, I will say. Like he's lost most of his games, but he's still the third most played support so far at MSI, but also Nautilus, also Leona. That's not weird considering the meta we already saw. What is a little bit weird is Callista. Callista got some buffs, but also Callista ult being able to hard engage is very important. In the AD carry role, we've seen Ezreal, we've seen Kaisa. These are more Tristana. These are elusive AD carries. Ezreal will not ping. Yeah, exactly. These are elusive AD carries with lower cooldown escape mechanisms for the most part. Uh, you see Jin. Jin is a long range AD carry who doesn't who can just stay out of range of engages. So that's sure. very helpful and set up picks from a considerable distance. Um, Mid lane, you see pretty much the same picks as we did before, except for Zoe, who has who got buffed to use slightly less mana on a couple of her abilities, so she has better sustain. But again, highly mobile, elusive picks, or in Twisted Fate's case, an ability to um, an ability to affect other parts of the map with a man advantage, so you limit your vulnerability to mechanical outplays. Uh, we see Pike, obviously, Pike Hook sucks. If you are a, a low, if you're on ping, um, you see even his ult. Yeah. You know, Viego, Viego stun. Viego's the most played champion uh, in the jungle here at MSI. Hard to dodge necessarily yes. on ping. W what's in top lane again? Gwen it has 15 picks in the top lane. The next biggest one is six on GP. Now, I'm a bit surprised about GP because you would think with ping chaining GP barrels might be a little bit difficult to do, but it's also harder to stop and dodge. So I guess yes. if you are the proactive player making the plan, it's easier. It's probably a less of a disadvantage. Gwen and was Gwen, definitely a, a major, but if people don't know, Gwen was more like a, an occasional pick. It was more like a pocket pick for people, wasn't it? Or like a comp-based pick previously. Yeah. Part of, part of Gwen's <laughs> popularity is definitely the fact that the top four junglers of this event are Viego, Graves, Wukong, and Lee Sin, which are all AD champs. So you you might want more AP in the top lane, depending on how your comp shakes out, especially since mid laners like TF and RE ten, tend to be lower damage or more supportive. So you need a lot of AP damage coming from somewhere. But also, conveniently in low ping, if you just push W on Gwen, nobody can hurt you. <laughs> so, you know, it, it eliminates a lot of the threat of people coming in because you can be proactive about your defense, right? It's not, re it's proactive defense, not reactive defense, which is what Gwen has, which means that she is better if you play player well on high ping, potentially. She also got buffed again. Um, so <laughs> she, she got nerfed, then she got buffed. Um, the buffs really help because her ultimate is incredibly powerful. Also, by the way, on low ping environment or on high ping environments, Dodging her ult is very hard. And guess what? She gets three shots of that ult too. And she's going to hit the back line with it. And she's going to, you know, see, slow down your, your carries potentially. So that's another yeah, reason. That's why we also had um, like a whole bunch of soy in the mid lane as well. Because again, it's going to yep. be hard to dodge, right? Yep. And if you're like hard to bubble, dodge, you get the fight, right? Hard, hard to dodge. Also very strong in combination with champions like Jin for long range picks. We're seeing a lot of long range picks. Like this tournament because of high ping is turning into how can we get poke or undodgeable engages or poke or have man advantages in side lanes uh, so that we can kind of mitigate the the ping reaction problem right so we, if we have an extra player there then there you, you know there's a lot less of a risk of something going wrong because of a mechanical misplay due to high ping right so um champions like diana also very very strong engaged so we're seeing a lot of either long range 
pick or poke compositions or long range engage compositions, partially because of buffs to these champions, but also I suspect partially because uh, these champions are in in a, in when it's more difficult to react, it's hard to escape these engages in the same way. Or if you do escape the engages, you have to predict it, or you use your ability without the engage happening, and then you just get absolutely destroyed when the the real engage happens. Sure. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of champs if people don't know. If you only watched the spring split and you really didn't give a fuck about this, like, you know how everyone was just spamming Java in the playoffs? That's barely played here. There's a whole bunch of champs out. Like, what else? Fucking Akali barely appears. Tom Kench barely appears. Like, this fucking took Jinx has had two games in the whole I mean, tournament. Jinx got destroyed by Oh, they did get nerfed through. <laughs> I mean, Sandra's been played twice. Like, there's fucking a lot of things have changed. Trundle played twice. Yumi played twice. There's, a lot of stuff's gone out the meta. Yeah, well... Rise isn't even that popular. Yeah, JoJo Three played. games of Rise. How can there only be three? You know what I mean? <laughs> fucking I, Rise, for fuck's sake. Also, we have to mention, too, we didn't mention Lucian, which is the most banned champion, but it's another mobile AD carry, and obviously Lucian Nami is extremely strong. Obviously, it goes up saying Shade in that technically RNG and T1 might not have actually shown us what they wanted to play. They might just... Because, right. like, you know, I'm pretty sure by the end they were fucking around if you look at some... Pretty sure that. Rumble support was not... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I had to guess. If I had to, if I had to guess. Uh, Rise got nerfed, though, as well. So, yeah, there there were pretty... Okay. There were changes to a lot of these, a lot of these champions. Just over Wukong alone tells you this was a fucked meta, Mountie. Wukong is the third. Wukong is the Look, third I, most played champion in the tournament. I love and, Wukong. And Armut isn't even here. That's all you need to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wukong is also nine and five uh, overall. Um, and even in the games that he lost, okay. like the DFM uh, Saigon Buffalo game where Steel lost with Wukong, he was incredibly dominant on the. Like he was not the the reason they lost that game. Um, so uh, Wukong. The biggest things with Wukong, if you guys, probably none of you even thought about Wukong, um, the reasons why he got improved was his jungle clear speed because his E damage against monsters was increased slightly, but most crucially his Q cooldown. They buffed three things on him at the same time, which is like, why would you do that? But uh, his Q cooldown was reduced. And then also, uh, most importantly, his W now goes over walls, which means that he can come out from a lot of weird angles at you, and he can also escape better when he's counter-jungling somebody. Yeah, so it's Wukong with talent ability. Yep. Awesome. Great. Love it. <laughs> Wasn't an annoying fucking champion to play any of it, but and okay. Right, I know. Like, his downside, like, the thing about it was his downside was that he was difficult to gank with because he doesn't have reliable crowd control pre-six. Yes. And... You know, he could come from very predictable angles, but now he can come from any angle. So Not especially really, yeah. if you if you play around him and we've seen the meta move towards like engage, there will be engage in a lot of these lanes, or at least he'll be able to come from an angle where you can secure a kill. Uh, and and none of his downsides were fixed, by the way. His passive is still very he gets a ton of armor in team fights. He's very healthy in the jungle because of his passive, which gives him HP regen and, and the armor. And then his team fighting is still fucking incredible because of his ultimate. So they didn't nerf, like all of his strengths are still there and they just eliminated most of his weaknesses. By the, the way, you have to give him now is like a single target stun and then, oh, then he's the best jungler yeah, of all because, time. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, as an aside, I think the ultimate line, which I've heard a lot of people say, Monty, which is the greatest indictment of MSI you can imagine, was all the people who said that it was genuinely more interesting at MSI to follow the narrative of Jankos going with that like female cosplay streamer out on the streets of town, not watching the fucking tournament <laughs> itself. I didn't even know this happened. What happened? It's like, what happened? Here's the quick backstory. I'm not like a super person who follows a drama, but I've seen these because they came up 
in my feed on YouTube. Basically, a few months ago or something, there's a there's a, a girl who's like a cosplayer in Korea and she streams in Korea. She's called Plubby. And Yankos was streaming and his fans sent him a clip and then it was like a cosplay clip or something. And then he said something, oh, she's cute. And then they struck up some sort of like fucked up, almost like long range fucking sort of fake romance based on the fans like prodding it and also Yanko sort of like did play into it and she's, she's got that sort of like cute Korean personality so it's, it's making it all like it's all like wholesome as fuck don't worry about that yeah, yeah. they're still at the point where they're just like but do you like me oh I don't know please should I say it oh but I sort of I don't not like you and it's like that fucking shit it's like some shit out of anime basically and the <laughs> problem is because she's in Korea when they went there like everyone the joke is everyone's trying to like wingman for Yanko so like Ashley Kang was helping them out so they met up in person and then they were going out in a town and then the town believe it or not they get this this is why i've seen too many random clips guys they actually are getting mad awkward things happen like when they go up to like a random like stall or whatever and yankos is streaming the person in korean asks like the plummy girl like oh, are you two married like <laughs> like as they're streaming and everything and then they ask like what did you say there like so the whole thing's just scuffed as fuck it. but it, that's all you need to know I even know, like, it's, I swear, I don't even, I, I do actually know the results of this tournament, but I almost, like, have chronicled the Yankos thing myself, as if it was esports history, not the I actual think, bloody I, I think, tournament itself at all. I think people probably have an ethical duty to warn this poor woman that Yankos is famous for missing his spears, though, you know? Okay. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> she deserves that warning. That is hilarious, though. <laughs> That is that is too funny. But uh, honestly, that does sound more interesting than this tournament on the whole. So I don't blame people for being interested in that. Exactly. A little bit of interest, a little bit of drama, a little bit of juice. <laughs> well, uh, I have to say, like, even though we've mentioned it already, like, to me, it's like the EG one's not as big because actually really like whoever's from NA is probably fourth anyway. It, it really is the RNG angle. The mixture of the ping and RNG specifically, that is what sucked the luster out of the tournament for me, Monty. Because here's the problem. I always want to. This is what's been cool about the last few years. I always want to feel like the best Chinese team could A, be the best and B, beat the Korean team. If I feel like that, this would be so hype for this T1 matchup. I, would be that, I, I wouldn't care about the rest of the tournament. I'd be like, look, if you just give me a great final, I can live with it. That's something I need to see. Like, you know, fucking V5 against T1 or top East spots because we're not going to get that that i also like i'm I'm even tempering my expectations for the next rest of the tournament mate. like i actually feel like it's never going to hit the full 10 out of 10 hype that you want it to i think it's also hard because the next phase of the tournament is still likely to contain a lot of um strat hiding because Buckery, yeah i mean basically t1 and rng only have to make top four and that's the only thing they care about they don't care about necessarily being first seed um and especially if they're avoid each other, basically, that they would do yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. But even if they don't avoid each other, probably their attitude is we have to beat everybody to win this tournament anyway. So do they really yeah. care about not sure. hitting each other in the semifinals? Like, I would rather hide strats. And if I was T1 or RNG, I'd rather hide strats than hit that and hit that team in the sure. semifinal than show a strat and then hit them in the finals. That would be my mentality. And obviously in league, when you are way better than the other team, you can actually, you can just do, by the way, spoiler, Koreans did this anyway in League. Like sometimes in game one, famously, they do just let you have your picks and then see what they can do against it. And then what they do is if they beat you, then it's like lol series on. And if they lose, it's like just ban all that shit. <laughs> you know, like really, they really already did burn games for that reason in the past. But the problem is though, it is shrewd. Like I won't deny, this is when you are that much better than everyone else, you should be tactical with what you do in that regard. The point is you only throw the kitchen sink at them if you have to win this game. Like, you know, if it's like touch and go if you do or not. Yep. All right, so we should talk about G2, or uh, we should talk about, I mean, I guess we can start with G2. We can talk about T1 and RNG. These are the teams that are worth, I think, having the conversation about right now. Where do you want to start? I mean, the thing with G2 is, as you say, as it stands right now, 
when you factor in the ping element, the fact that they're not there, the fact that I already thought RNG was a team that had like certain weaknesses, I thought certain strengths actually specifically were against Chinese teams. Dude, I'm start that's the one angle I'm now on. It's like the more I watch them, look, they haven't played each other yet, so this could all be fake hype. I'm just trying to find a because I know probably RNG versus T1 isn't the match. Now I'm trying to make it G2 RNG. That's what I'm trying to prep for in my mind. So what I'm trying to do is shadow box like, and obviously at the moment, by the way, it's looking great. There's even an interesting matchup, right? Zhao Hu isn't the like smash the whole game middle and it depends on certain picks to be fair some of his picks are in the meta has been caps has been fucking unreal like that all of a sudden if you look at how g2 played in the first phase mate almost every player had like mad carry games like, they, they even took turns like people were like broken blade had some games they had some mega games so like i'm that's the matchup i'm looking for so i think g2's actually looked even better than expected they actually looked i know i know they're not playing the same competition as lec but it looks like in a different meta like they're the team where when i watch them you almost wouldn't even know they're on ping mate some of the some of the caps players just look like normal players mate and we should talk about some of the Caps statistics because they're pretty amazing. Um, first off, he's played eight different champions in eight games. Uh, second off, he has the highest damage per minute of any mid laner at 592. Next is Xiao, who at 573. And then there's a huge drop off for Faker to 472. So, you know, Caps and Xiao, who are well above everybody else, he's the top mid laner in terms of damage percentage on his team outside of Kissy from Order, which, like, we're not going to include Australian stats because. Why would we? <laughs> There's too many other problems there uh, to dissect them all. But he's been extremely good. Um, and it's not like he's been playing all high damage champion. He has a game of Galio. He has a game of Twisted Fates. So those might be depressing his numbers somewhat. But he's also pulling off, like, he pulled off the surprise Anivia in the first game of the series against EG, which I think was, you know, it shows a lot of Jojo Peon's limitation where he's probably, ne I mean, he's never played against that champion in a professional context before. So... Uh, having to deal with that when you are playing very aggressively and very forward in lane and having to deal with the wall was problematic for him. Um, There's another thing that sucks about being such a rookie, Monty. Because remember, he isn't just even a rookie. He's like a rookie to the game of League of Legends. Like, dude, if I hear that and I'm like a super veteran mid laner, yeah, I'm pulling out the bullshit. I'm going with like an old school Anivia. Yeah, I'll pull out all sorts of shit you've never Guess played what? in your life before. Exactly. Guess what? I think Anivia was a release champion in this game. Um Probably. I mean, it has been reworked, to be fair, like season six or whatever it was, but yeah, true. But I mean, but the, the core mechanics are still pretty yeah, yeah. much the same as they were on release. Um, so to, to put this in context, guys, League of Legends came out in 2009, which means Anivia was released when JoJo was five. <laughs> he was... He was five years old. He was barely out of an egg himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, you know, a, a player like Caps or a more veteran player who has been seeing what this champion can, can do on the scene for many years. And, well, a lot of kind of the old, you know, the old way of playing is no longer relevant. Sometimes the veterancy and having been around for such a long time means that you you understand that sometimes when the meta cycles back around in a certain way or when a certain champion is picked again not to say it's rise because rise was very 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 different back when anivia versus oh, rise course, would have course. happened when anivia was at its peak because rise has been reworked like 12 times since then um but you sometimes remember like certain abilities that these champions have or like annoying wall placements that many new players may not know about in terms of uh, how you control chokes or, or play on the map. Um, and it's a surprise factor. Uh, and that's, that's a big advantage the Caps had. And I think they ran with it.
And let's be real, even if Giorgio randomly got a couple of games against an Anivia in his life in solo queue, that wasn't against Caps. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. He was playing against fucking bombfuck and A player, wasn't he? So <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that. That didn't help. Didn't help really run up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think the their caps is is really flexing in terms of his champion pool. He's clearly feeling great. I mean, some of his plays on Silas and, and Yasuo were just disgusting uh amazing just absolutely amazing so he really seems like he's on form right now it looks like the old like g2 caps that's why dude you know when they lost the first series against Fnatic in the upper bracket the playoffs and i said that tweet where i was like what happened to caps and then all those people like galius were coming out what do you mean he played a very good series it's like bro just the champion alone tells you if you've got the real caps or not the caps that's on like oriana's like he's all right the caps that's on silas that's what I signed up for. That's what I'm. I'm here for that. That's what I want to see. Also, yeah. as a random other aside, the only the only thing I have to say about order because we're not going to mention them otherwise, we have to pretend they were in the tournament, right? Is if I would like it if their owner was like a Reggie esque character who just didn't care about anyone's feelings, and if he had to fire the whole team and replace it, he just what made them watch that classic scene in the denouement. You'll never understand that word, plebs, of the movie and Justice for All, and they just Al Pacino goes around the room saying, "You're out of order." Order, you're out of order, you're out of order, you're out of order, and then they're all fired. Dad, cut the movie off. <laughs> what I wouldn't do though is pay people under the rate legally they're required to be paid as a contractor, which legally I shouldn't even potentially have them as a contractor in a hypothetical world where Reginald did that. Damn, this tournament has actually had so much drama that we didn't even talk about we that. Didn't. Holy didn't. shit. It's been we a, might a, say a little period. bit too late because all I'll say is, mate. <laughs> Like, that fucking, that actual Washington Post piece was like porn for me, mate. It was like fan service. It's like they were trying to write, it's like it was my birthday and they wrote a fake article about what an utter piece of shit Reginald is with all like fake sources. People like, because it was amazing. It was like it was written to order, wasn't it, for me? It was so good. There was so many quotes. Like, I love the part, by the way, where he did the classic thing where he goes, the thing is, I always expect the most from my, it's like, you don't, you're fucking shit at your job. You are actual shit. But what you did is you created an environment where no one can tell you that or you fire them this is mental mate this is mania you are fucking howard hughes in a room with your piss in jars and fucking long toenails telling everyone else you're the fucking height of fashion and not a weirdo like this is mental mate you've gone too far now but anyway yeah, it was amazing it was, that quote alone the sheer lack of self-awareness in the quote is just so I, sick and I it, love it is I love it is it. actually ridiculous it. like it couldn't actually be going better for for us I because I mean, how how could they have accidentally revealed the conflict of interest of the the double lift Lena situation by doing it on stream like that should have been impossible we got that gift Absolutely. now we get this gift of like the article tailor made uh, about this entire scenario and how it's even worse than you anticipated it's it's too oh, I love funny. it I love it's it. It's too funny. <laughs> Especially like another one of my favorite parts mate was that part where it said that like He'd give you an assignment, but he never really had delegated because you'd go away, you'd do all your work, and then he'd go, eh, not quite my tempo. And you were like, fuck, what? And then you realized eventually you weren't doing your best job. Your job was to read Reginald's mind. And by the way, <laughs> Reginald can't even read Reginald's mind. So I'm just going to, and also, what's there to read? 
Just say so I don't know what the fuck he was supposed to do with that, mate. Like, to me, as far as I can, you just like interacted with an NPC. Like, what do you want? Like, it's like, it's like an, uh, uh, Reginald essentially is a is an NPC boss in a fucking RPG game, and he's like, unless you can do these three specific things, which you only figure out in live interaction. Oh, shoot the back of the head, like or whatever. Like, when it's like you a Dark Souls yeah, boss. See, you, dude, just, you can't get past him. The first time you encounter him, you just get exactly. absolutely destroyed, yes. and then it's only over time where you're like, oh no, he lifts the club. I have to roll to go. yes exactly that's all working in a boardroom for reggie's like i know exactly <laughs> he also is very predictable so it's just oh, a matter no, of learning of learning his attack sequence that's too fucking funny <laughs> hope he's been way, enjoying Elden if it wasn't for the fact we sort of do incorporate it with somebody inside any day if we ever get to the point where like we want to wake another show. The obvious show is some sort of a league drama show because like me, it's just too much, isn't it? It never ends. It never bloody ends. It never ever ends. Like I'll even give you mad detail, a bit, a bit of drama because it's also promotion for my channel, <laughs> right? So when I did my interview with Upset, obviously in the third part we talk about all that world's drama and the thing with Adam and Nemesis, right? Dude, he reveals a mad detail about the Adam guy. Supposedly the Adam guy only really did that twit longer because he knew he was getting booted from Fnatic and he wanted to have like a different reason that they fucked him over. I suppose they didn't want him to play, right? And in it he sort of wow. implied i think something along the lines of like you know like he'd worked so hard and putting all this and then upset because he's fucked with his wife upset just basically said like actually he was barely even playing solo queue wasn't even fucking putting any hours out like oh lol why you've owned yourself mate why you done that why have you here's the thing i'll never understand about esports it's the number one rule of esports it's not it's not the same as your one that's correct about don't fuck with investigative journalists spoiler some people in csgo are going to find out what that's like by the way but okay we'll put that to one side the other rule in esports is this monty if you have skeletons in your closet, don't go shouting about other people having skeletons in their closet, dumb motherfucker. Because guess what? They're going to realise eventually, why don't I expose the skeletons in his closet in return? Like, these guys are so dumb, mate. It's so mental. I do get, like, let's be real. He was a rookie. He's like a fucking, like, he's piss old. He's fucking barely been around in life in general. And that was his first split. I get it. He totally misplayed it. But, like, fucking hell, mate. That's that's a hell of a way to make a drama bomb and just have it blow up in your own face. And then, after that, remember, people only care in League if you play well in the game. Then just give one of the shittest splits in ages. Like, you just, that's it. That's like a millionaire. He took so many L's in a row. I thought he was the Brazilian team in the final of the Valorant VCT Masters. Wake That's just a fucking joke about the way they put the loud, loud game or whatever. It's LLL in it. Whatever. whatever. It was a good joke. It was decent, but it was from the wrong game. That's my only problem. My only sin. I don't know if anybody actually knows the name of the team because they just watch Shroud yelling at the game that's through true. stream. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's uh, true. says something about esports, by the way. Right? I I actually would if it was like Peyton Manning watch like a fucking core stream because he's going to break the game down in more depth. Yes. I would never watch a stream that's even less depth than the main broadcast of the sport. Meanwhile, you're all watching Tarek or whatever like... Dude, it's lit, it's lit, fuck, oh, she, like, what's, what even is that? That's nothing, that's, that's, again, what the fuck is that? That's like, yeah, he may as well be like the paperclip pop-up in fucking MS Word, just saying stuff while you do it. That's nothing, there's not even any commentary there, what is it? I should, we should just replace him with the Tarek soundboard. By the way, if you guys want to watch good watch parties, watch them on our Twitch channel. We do them weekly for LOL and CSGO, so have a good time with us. That's a better use of your time. There you go, there you go. Indeed. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on. And we should probably talk about RNG and T1 yeah, yeah. just a little bit. Uh, which one do you want to start with? I mean, with T1, first of all, like this is the obvious team that definitely isn't just trying the hardest in every game and go with that best possible draft and trying to get every draft advantage. Like they're clearly not. And then on top of that, 
in the games, like, mate, you can just see from the way they play, they know they are going to win every single one of these games. It's ridiculous. Like, mate, Carrier just does whatever he wants in these games, yep. as far as I can tell you. Because they just stop him. They just shit all over everyone. I, I like how Gumiyushi, um, currently he has the highest death percentage of any player on his, on any team. Uh, at this and it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. It's a fucking AD team. Korean AD team doesn't even matter. He's dying all over the place. Exactly. He's died 31% of his team's death. Uh, Farfetch, which people have been very critical of for his Nautilus play, is inting play. So remember that guy who ints a lot? Now, true, Farfetch has 48 deaths compared to Gumiyushi's 14. But the fact that 14 deaths is almost a third of T1's total deaths. And Gumiyushi has been doing Gumiyushi things. He's a, he's a cocky player, but what you saying is, dude, he plays it's... like melee range Jin. He will okay. literally like face check brushes with Jin and just fucking die. It, he's playing like an absolute moron. So what um, you're saying is Gumiyushi is inting, but it's not that far-fetched. <laughs> it's not that. It's not Fair as it? much yeah. as far-fetched by percentage, yeah. by, by objective yeah. quantity. Uh, it's it's still about a third. <laughs> still a while you've done it many times, isn't it? I know. Because remember, like the, there's a world where a Korean agency could go deathless in a fucking group like this, couldn't they? If they really wanted to, you know? uh, he's he's like reverse ruler. It's very funny to like watch the difference between these players. Because ruler, you know, if he was here, would still just be like the very technical, buttoned up. I will maintain my range and maintain my distance. Meanwhile, Gumi usually just like walking into a bush with Jin. It's fucking hilarious. Um, but uh, now. There's an off chance. You always have to say it. There's an off chance that he is just playing like shit. Uh, but I think if I had to guess whether he's going to tighten it up against good opponents, I would say yes. Yes, he is. Uh, the other thing that's that's very important to note about T1 overall is that Faker, we, we noted this last year when he hit Worlds, was playing a very low economy style of mid lane. He's still playing a very low economy style of mid lane. Uh you know, understandably, his other laners are fucking sick if people haven't seen, you know. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to. And, and <laughs> what's surprising about T1 is the level of balance on this team. Yes. Like, owner, owner is doing a, a, a large proportion of this team's damage. Now, granted, his champions have been Wukong, Thai, Kindred, and Graves. So these are kind of high damage champions, especially in the early game. Uh, you're going to see a lot of damage coming out of the jungle. Uh, but as a whole... The team's damage percentage are very well balanced. Um, Faker doesn't take, again, just like Worlds last year, he's not taking a bunch of farm after 15 minutes. Those resources are dedicated to other places. He, in fact, is the lowest mid laner in the entire tournament, even lower than Jojo Pian, uh, who's fourth lowest, but against major, against the actual teams that we'll see in the next stage. Um, he's the absolute lowest. Jojo Pian is the second lowest amongst teams in the Rumble stage. Faker's only taking... 19.9% of the CS after 15 minutes, which is super low compared to who's the top right now. Caps at 22.5%. So you really see how these, uh, how it's being allocated in terms of resources. He's doing the second lowest uh, damage. So him and Jojo Pian are the bottom two among the Rumble stage teams. Um, so he, he just, he's playing a more supportive role. He is enabling his jungler. He is enabling his side lanes. Um, this is the style uh, in which he plays. Now, part of this too is you should fucking be impressed with Caps because Caps is doing a whole lot uh, in these games and he is absolutely the biggest carry on G2 at the moment. But 
it's a very you really see T1's flexibility. And and Faker can, I think, pick up the slack, especially if he's playing champions like LeBlanc in these games, but he doesn't have to because they're so good at adapting the situation to who carries this game, which makes them really, really dangerous. And you can contrast that I with... Also, think about this, Monty. That also means that they could even play it against Xiaohu and Caps. And even if those players get ahead, it might not even matter. Faker's essentially already playing the style that neutralizes that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think... Yeah, I think I think what if you contrast this with RNG, um, the, RNG is very much about Gala, uh, at least in this group stage, very very much about Gala. Gala among all players in Rumble stage has the highest damage percentage at twenty eight and a half. Um, he's also, you know, he's taking up a, an absolute monstrous amount of damage for this team, and that's with him also. Um, you know, he, he hasn't had the greatest laning phase. Uh, it's been more aggressive, which has been good to see, but they've been against worse teams. So I guess the highlight for RNG as well in the L LPL playoffs, RNG kind of stumbled in the early game and like came alive later in the team fights. They still have that late game strength, but they've also just smashing teams early, uh, which is very, very good. Gala's damage after 15 minutes is 32% of his team. And even just in raw stats, he's at 690 DPM. So he has been pumping it out. So I think the real key factor as we look forward for T1 and RNG is whether RNG is going to run rampant with Gala on this carry position because Jahu's also been kind of playing a lower economy mid lane style. But whereas it feels like the, the carry load is more evenly balanced on T1, it's a lot of Gala on RNG. It is a lot of Gala. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that if Gala is shut down, does Bin pick up pick up the slack, right? Who's going to be the next yes. one in line? Um, but Gala's and been... It, and if people didn't hear, because obviously, again, we'll repeat it in case you didn't watch the episode that had... Um, who was it? For, who was it? Dagda, that was who we had as the guest from yeah. the LPL. He said in line with that the problem is because people remember being only from 2020 worlds when he was on sunni they all think he's a monster like that he's gonna like stop he actually hasn't been that great in the split like guys he's not actually they're not going to just play hard through top so like it's just it makes sense the way the team's running at the moment but he has been playing a lot of carries i mean his games are like gp jacks relia gwen like it, it's a carry top meta that we're meta, though, yeah, sure. here uh so maybe bin can be powered up and also to rng's credit way's early game was a huge problem, but it seems like since we've seen the champion pool kind of shift over to like Viego Graves Wukong, um, he's been doing better. And he By was the, way, the big flaw in the LPL playoffs. I've got one, one since we're talking top lane, one thing I wanted to ask was this why do you think, um, why is Jace not played? It's only been played in six games. Uh, well, Jace got nerfed. Um, ah, right. Okay. Yeah, he 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 got pretty heavily nerfed, especially in his laning phase. He's a lot more brittle now uh, in terms of his health and armor, and so he's right. he, his health and armor scale better now. But in the early game, he's more vulnerable. Because I was thinking with the higher ping, it'd be harder to dodge the shock blast and Probably, stuff. But yeah. I guess it doesn't matter overall. Yeah. Um, so I, we have seen some Jace play. I, I don't think he's like he not, played one, didn't they? I think. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Uh, let's see here. How many times have we seen him play? Oh, look. He's played six times in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, there have been a number of, of Jace games, but uh, I see four. Oh, that's a ban, sorry. Um, trying to look. Hold on right now. Where is it? I see two games in top 
Zayas, I, I remember the Zayas game. That's the one that sticks, the Zayas win. That's what sticks out most to me in my mind. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely hasn't been as, as popular as some of the other ones. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be good. I th my, my feeling, Thorin, is that the, T1 probably won't play Jace in the next phase of the tournament against good opponents um, because he is going to be more vulnerable in that. Uh, actually, it looks like there were only two individual players playing Jace. Yeah. I guess one of them was just so he can still win yeah. everyone at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so I, I think probably that is not going to be played in the future. I think they wanted to show that just so they could win with it and put it in their opponent's heads. But I just don't think Jace is, is I think his laning phase got really smacked. So it might be a little bit. That's another reason also, unfortunately, if you're matching T1 up against any of the other teams, it gets a bit depressing. It's because no one else can go all lanes. They can. They can yep. almost do any style right now. So it's the problem is that means A, hard for you to know what they're going to do. And B, they can just adapt to like, like you're saying, if you're playing through one lane, then it's telegraphed what they're going to do, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think if you if you match these teams up in your mind, like Faker and Jahu are playing a pretty similar style, I would say at the moment. Um, Zayas has been great in the top lane. I would give Owner the advantage over Wei. Uh, I think you'd give Gala the advantage over Gumayushi based on the games we've seen at MSI, but also with the caveat that Gumayushi has obviously been playing badly, I assume due to apathy, but it's possible he's just playing badly. Uh, Karia, probably you give the advantage over to T1 at support. So I think where RNG can win is they probably miss the thing. It's just Carrier is the best. But dude, I, 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 carrying, I, team fighting. Carrier know. might just be the best player, period. Forget fucking yes. support. Because he's, like, it, it, he's got that quality that like people like Madlife did, where it's like the impact they can have is just absurd compared to anyone else in their role, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah, I think I think that is I think that is a really I, I, I think that T1 probably has an advantage just based on the flexibility, but there are certainly cases where Gala pops off. There are certainly cases where RNG gets to display their great team fighting. T1 is not immune to making mistakes around oh, no. objective, partic particularly Baron and, and like Herald fights, I would say, with T1. They're not immune to making those mistakes. Uh, Gumish is not immune to randomly inting. So there are there are circumstances, I think, where RNG can, can take the crown at MSI, but I would also again, point to the fact that I think T1 has a more balanced squad and has more ways of winning a game than, T than uh, RNG does. And is what more about this? <laughs> is there actually any other team that was like, had showed something interesting for you in this phase? I was happy to see the resilience of and kind of the reckless abandon of the Saigon Buffalo. Like, I don't think they should okay. have won the second game versus detonation. Focus me. Um, but you what know, I, Vietnamese teams historically have, they just have like a, they're, they're just a canny little upset region, aren't they? They just, they just do weird look, style of play. I think it's great that we see a team that teams from this region coming up because it provides another competitive international region that can pull off upsets. Right. Sure. Uh, which I think is really fun and it's really good. What I like about this team is that even when they're behind, they will continue to, to go for it. Like they'll, they will just try Hail Mary after Hail Mary. They will keep engaging on you. Now, the result of this is that they have the highest combined kills per minute of any team in this tournament. They average 1.28 kills per minute 
of That's every metal. game that they a minute. Play. Think about <laughs> games that go ten minutes with like one kill. These fuckers are doing over one per minute. Like is this a Fnatic scrim or something? What the fuck's yeah, going on? To be to be fair, <laughs> T1 and RNG are at one point two five and one point two four respectively because that they just, just, is, they yeah, just dominate their opponents yes. to that degree where they're just like slapping them down well, every minute. It. That's also impressive though because that means they had to average that Monty while also playing RNG. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, there there are. Uh, and if you look at like the total number of of kills in these games, like it's pretty interesting because RNG has 210 total kills in this tournament. T1 has that's across nine games though, because all the stats are included for every game. Um, but even across nine games, having the 1.24 combined kills per minute is pretty good. And then T1 has just been so dominant; they've only died because remember, combined kills per minute is the total number of kills in the game for both teams. T1 has only died 45 times in six games. Okay. So they're averaging less than 10 kill, 10 deaths per game. Um, and they're still getting 1.25 combined kills a minute because they have 129 kills. So they're absolutely dominating their opponents. Like kills to deaths are like th three to one, basically. And that's, that's impressive. It's just, that's the pace at which they're slapping their opponents down. But Saigon, uh, Saigon Buffalo are a team that have played They've died a lot. They've played some very like drawn out slobber knockers like the De De Detonation Focus Me game, the second one of the series. And it's gone, you know, to like multiple Barons and, and all of these late game, ultra late game scenarios. But they will keep fighting you forever. They're kind of like the old style of LPL team where like the fights just are going to keep coming, dude. If they're ahead, if they're behind, they keep coming. So teams like that always have an upset potential because they will engage on teams when they don't think when teams don't think that they can be engaged upon and they'll I play heavy, think, by the way, they'll play heavy engaged composition. Well, like they're playing Callista mid, sure. right? I also think in the modern day, another, cause obviously everyone knows from sort of like season eight, season nine onwards, it, the game became loads of skirmishing as opposed to like the slow build up to the team fight or the objective fight. I also think in the modern day, that still will always be an effective style. If you're an underdog to try yes. just creating loads of fights because the champions have so many wild kits now, so many dodges, abilities, like so many fucking like things where someone's invisible and vulnerable. Can like, it's fucking hell. Like, you, why not? If you're playing a way better team, why yes. not just try and create chaos and see if you can just ride the sort of, the, the the right side of the coin flips as it were right. you know and, and like the the kill to death ratio is really like you know this is where it it tells a story about you gotta take a punch to give one money that's the thing about this sort <laughs> like, of play, right? when we talk yeah. about combined kills exactly. that's just the total number of kills now if we talk about kd the kill to death ratio it's 1.05 for saigon buffalo so they're almost a perfect coin flip right they have 108 kills and 103 deaths but the point is they keep fucking fighting right whereas t1 is 2.87 kd yes. and rng is 2.59 Ro so. Basically, the Saigon Buffalo style is the movie Rocky. Both people just get the shit beaten out of them, and then the other person wins. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, it. I mean, that's it. It's, it's too. It's, they just force you into this fight where you're both just like throwing mad haymakers at each other back and forth. Rock em, rock em, rock em. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun to watch, and like I said, is probably the best chance of creating an upset of yeah, yeah. being real in the current iteration of League of Legends. Now. When the when the changes come up in twelve ten to durability, it probably will not be a good way to play League of Legends to create right, an upset yes. anymore. But yes. for now it is. But for now it is. <laughs> and again, the T one version is the board version of T one, where Gumiyushi is a literally almost a third of those deaths by himself. 
So he's been the inter on T1. If he wasn't playing that way, which there's no universe where you look at T1's games and you say, that is, those deaths were necessary in order to win a team fight, <laughs> right? He's, he's just like trolling. Um, this is where I ask the question that hurts people's feelings. So you ready? Yeah. In the old meta, I'm not talking about the meta of the game League of Legends. I'm talking about the meta of the scene of League of Legends. When you arrive at this phase here, the rumble phase, it's supposed to go like this. Well, there's only four teams can make it. The question is, does Saigon and, you know, maybe PSG when they were good could have made the thing. But do, does anyone do it? My question is this, Monty. How does EG do against Saigon Buffalo and PSG talent? That's what I want to know. Because here's the problem. It's all well and good saying G2 is so good. And T1. I want to know how they do against them. Do they drop any games? Do you think one of them beats them? I don't know. I want to know. What do you think? Because <laughs> that's going to be, the, unfortunately, that will be the egg on the face. If they come like near the bottom of this group, it'll look a bit dodgy. Got to make the playoffs. Come on. Got to make so, the playoffs. Come on. So I think EG will do okay against PSG talent. PSG talent plays. It a bit shit, I have to say. It, they they look a bit shit. Um, they play like a, a slower style. Um, I think they're less threatening and aggressive in the early game um, than we see from Saigon Buffalo. And that if you had to say anything about EG strengths, they're still pretty good when it comes to team fighting. Like they did all like even when they're at the deficit, because they are pretty good at team fighting and because they they have good cohesion in the mid and late game. And honestly, a lot of it is inspired is often mega farmed. And in this meta where we have, you know, you can play Nocturne, you can play Graves. He was playing Karthus. Like he can be effective in terms of late game team fighting in this jungle meta uh, if he's strong. So he is getting strong. He's taking, I mean, it, it's everything you would expect from inspired. He's the number one jungler in terms of like farm percentage of his team. Um, he 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 is taking a lot of the focus um, when it comes to resources on this roster. Like if we look at him, um, he's not top in terms of damage percentage, but of the player, he's top after 15 of the players that we're going to be seeing. And he takes the most gold, obviously. Um, and he has the highest CSD at 10 minutes at 15.8. He's a farming jungler. This is a good meta for farming junglers to get strong. So this is all to say that he can use his abilities to prop EG up. If we can see like they did in the G2 game where somebody gets picked off and a Baron fight goes wrong. And then all of a sudden, cause that, that second EG G2 game, there was a 10,000 gold lead for G2, 9,000 technically. And it went to zero in like three minutes, which is, an insane indictment of the bounty system. Like that should not be possible. That is egregious that a lead of that size could just melt away. But if you int at the wrong time, you give up a bunch of key champion bounties, then you give up Baron that has a, an objective bounty on it. And then you give up objective bounty turrets. It can swing wildly. And in that game, I think there was even gold bounties when EG had a gold lead because G2 had dragon soul, which again, dragon soul triggers these objective bounties it's not just about gold lead it's about if you have dragon soul so under these conditions i would say that it does help teams that have strong late game team fighting so it helps eg and it helps rng probably uh if if we had to guess which teams this would this would help out the most um and so there is a possibility of a like i think in an even or even slightly behind late game state versus psg uh, there's a good opportunity. And I think 
Saigon Buffalo probably are the more threatening team to EG because they're they're more aggressive early. Right. And when they have a lead, they continue to play crazy. And when they're behind, they continue to like crazily engage on you. Um, so they may not even give EG a chance to group under those scenarios because they just engage in skirmishes constantly. So I think Saigon Buffalo have a non-zero chance of of taking down EG. It's also unlucky, to be fair, that this is the year where the PSG talent team stripped to some of the talent and they're off in yeah. the fucking LPL, aren't they? Because if that team had been really good, then even if EG's not as good, that, that makes a really interesting battle for fourth. It would be a really thrilling rumble phase, potentially. But I think both of these teams are threatening. Like, if, if we look at the fact that EG was 4-0'd by G2, um, I think we should assume that they will lose all of their games against RNG, T1, and G2 again. And they only need one or two games going badly for PSG or Saigon Buffalo to take the final spot in the playoffs, right? Well, I'll tell you, my, one game. One, my one fear about this particular rumble phase, Monty, in light of the fact that I've done all that great work battening down those motherfucking narrative hatches about NA talent and taking JoJo and fucking Danny, if they somehow fluke a BO1 on RNG... Oh, it'll all come back so much worse. Freak will be all over tweet, Twitter doing his usual. Oh, it'll be, it'll, even though it'll be a one, it'll be a nightmare, mate. Even though it's the ping. It, oh, I can't handle it. I can't. Please, no, please. I can't, please. I, it, just, it can't happen. Just, gods, please. They must lose all those games. They must. Because I'm not going to be silly and say they'll beat T1, although now this is now in a fucking future highlight clip where they magically do swell. But yeah, RNG is the one that I'm worried about. If they swell fluke one game, oh, it's all right, Thorin. Have now we can report tweets for false information, so we can flag Thorin's okay. tweets. <laughs> That's the joke about that feature now. <laughs> false or misleading information. Uh, just re just report them. Uh, so, uh, in fact, I think NA fans are not going to like to hear this. But if you just think I about there were actually those Twitter warnings, but by like the game money. So when someone puts <laughs> the copium, like I actually think that like Giorgio and fucking Danny will be able to compete in that. It just puts that like exclamation mark, like this is a misleading yes, information. That's what I'm saying. Actually, yeah, the Giorgio <laughs> will shit all over. Like, yeah, it'd be here, amazing, here, wouldn't it? Here, here's a here's a link to summoning insight with the the true take uh the, the strength of these things. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think NA fans are. I can't like to read more about the dangers of NA Hopium or something. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck fentanyl. NA Hopium, the real, exactly. the real pandemic. Uh, so uh, I, I think, unfortunately for NA fans, because they're because Saigon Buffalo and PSG both exist within this group stage. Um, You'd have to say that there is probably less than a 50% chance that they make it through to the playoffs, um, just statistically. Like Especially you, you also because here's another factor as to why, Monty. Normally, the other thing that protects you as the third or fourth best region is you're hoping you'll get a cheeky upset off one of the big teams. Like, maybe yeah. I do beat RNG. I don't think you can sort of go into that this phase with that. In this phase, really, if you're AG, it is all about beating Saigon, Buffalo, and PSG. That's like number one. That is your number one fucking goal. Yes. And by the way, God forbid that a PSG steals that one of those wins off someone. Th then your nightmare begins, you know? Yeah. And if there is, if there is a steal from a, one of the top three teams, 
that's going to be a huge yeah. determining factor. And G2 lose or maybe if they don't or, need to win a game or something. Yeah, you know, exactly. And if, if EG splits with one of these teams or drops a game to yeah. one of these teams, and then that same team like randomly beats RNG or G2 or T1 or something like that, they're basically done, guys. Yeah. Or it's going to be a tiebreaker potentially where they, you know, two teams fight it out for the fourth seed. But it's not that EG is a worse team than these two teams. It's just that when all, when you consider all of the scenarios within this tournament, because because Saigon Buffalo and PSG are at least capable of creating upsets, it's probably 50% or less chance that EG actually makes it into the top four. Um, that's just, that's just how the, the, you know, the, the statistics would play out on this one, I think. Um, because they're just not enough better than those teams to make it a likelihood. And I, I, at that point, you're saying it's like 25% you know, if they have a 50% chance of making it out, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that 25% to PSG and 25% to, to Saigon Buffalo. Like that feels, oh. that feels right to me. It feels right. Indeed. So unfortunately, I think this is just going to be a learning event for EG, but I do have hopes. Like I've said repeatedly, I do have high hopes for this team in the future. I think that this is going to be a really big learning experience from them. And this is a team that needed this international experience to improve moving forward. And they've shown the very say. regular improvement throughout this year. Even if somehow they chalk it up and don't make the playoffs, I don't blame EG in the sense that, as I said, it was, it's like TL and C9 are the ones who should be fucking here right now. So they're the teams I blame. EG, they did, they've already punched above their weight. That's fine. Yep. It's fine. Yeah. And I think, especially by the time worlds rolls around, like obviously, the story of NA is Team Liquid is probably the biggest disappointment in North American history. People just uh, somehow that narrative got washed away, by the way. I have no idea how that hasn't been a bigger story. Metal we talk there. about it on this show all the time. This it's has to know be everyone is the biased to Bjergsen. It's how you know everyone's biased to Bjergsen. Dude, they don't even like, no one even like counts that against his career, like a black mark or something. Losing to nobodies and not even making the final in the shittest split of all time. Like, what? With the most stacked uh, roster while being paid more than God. in NA. While, yeah, exactly, while being paid millions of dollars. Like, <laughs> fucking hell, boys. That <laughs> roster, like, no joke, probably cost three times as much as the next roster in NA. Two to three times as much as the next roster. So Did even... Fans over Cloud9... Yeah, well, Cloud Nine actually didn't spend that much money. <laughs> no, but they're gonna they're gonna think, oh my god, all the imports and that stuff. It's exactly TL was not only the biggest disappointment in a history; it was probably the worst result for dollars spent in yes. terms of value per dollar. It was absolutely trash. So this team either has to improve dramatically, like their performance in spring doesn't matter if they make worlds and like make it out of groups. That then all is forgiven, right? Um, but it was tragic. The way and by the way. Here's the thing, Steve. You did it, mate. You're beating Reggie's records. Of course, the record in this case was worst team dollar for dollar with a placing. He did it with Soda. I thought he really set the bar hard, but you must be a poor voter or something, mate, because you fucking got three over that thing. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and especially because NA was so, like, not competitive this year. Like, they only had to step it up mildly to win the region, and they couldn't even do that. Uh, TL is a massive... That's why I can't wait, though, Monty, because here's one thing I am looking forward to. The timing that Bjergsen's on TL, they've just failed and they're getting paid a minute. And then Jensen, of what? this is like WWE, mate, because that's like, oh, he'd, he'd never play with Cloud9 again. He had those issues in the way they benched him. Oh, but he, you know what's going on? It's like... It's like that fucking Loki scene from Avengers. Whatever. You must be very desperate. We actually haven't talked about Jack. Jensen. It's ridiculous. We've had too many weeks off. We haven't talked about Jensen. I mean, it seems like a great signing. I also think Spen's support will be good. 
I think it'll be good. True. I think generally the team rebuild looks good. Everything makes sense to me. I would expect, by the way, I would expect that to be the best NA team. I would expect that to be the team that wins summer. And when they do, by the way, when they win summer, I hope every GM in the league just takes a look in the fucking mirror and goes, I'm the guy who wouldn't sign Jensen. Like, yeah, good good job, Dickhead. So we'll wait for that one. But I suspect that's what's going to happen personally. But yeah, <laughs> it's going to be fun for sure. By the way, there's a cool thing for EG. When you come back from this tournament, you're facing better competition when you get back. Now, if you win summer, by the way, that would be epic. That would be an enormous competition. Whereas you see everyone's sort of putting an asterisk next to spring because of all the fuckery, aren't they? So just sadly, the way things go. But I think Sven's work ethic is really excellent. I think he'll be able to transition very well to support. I actually think it'll enable him better now that he's like a more veteran. He's a very vocal player. And so I think it'll suit him because he's he's now one of like the ultra veterans. He knows what's good on support from, you know, working with one of the great greatest Western supports of all time and Mithy, right? Um, so he'll have a very strong uh, leadership role within the team, which I think will be great for him. And uh, he's mega grinder. So I'm I'm sure he'll he'll do well. Uh, might be a little bit rough out of the gate, as you might expect, but I think in the long term, this is a really good switch. Also, switching Fudge back to top makes sense. Having Jensen makes sense. Awesome. And continuing with Blabber and Berserker makes sense. So it, it does. It, the competition is not so high that this team can't, you know, make a make a strong run and, and end up at the World Championship. But you new guys said LS did nothing as quick Horchin career. He got Jensen and Cloud9 back together again. That's like fucking Maury Povich level shit, mate. What's he doing there? It's fucking amazing. He's you are together. Exactly. That's like, man, fucking on, on. <laughs> he's, he's the matchmaker. Um, all right. Any other any other teams you want to talk about? Is it, are we done with the MSI preview? I mean, all we can say yeah, is like the problem, the problem with doing the preview of these teams, guys, is again, we really didn't see anything like the good teams are not going to have shown anything. The, the practice environment and the, the server problems, you know, they, they created games that probably are not going to be reflective of what we're seeing in the rest of this event. Um, the ping is going to make the meta weird, even though it's stabilized and is like fixed now. Right. So not, not much to say, not, not much to say. It was pretty boring, which is why we devoted so much time to, to other things. Uh, we can take some fewer questions though. As usual, uh, GrogCoin Lounge on the Summoning Insight uh, server. If you get GrogCoin through Rally, uh, if you have 25... I quickly get a glass of water. Yes, you may go get a glass of water <laughs> while I describe how to do this. Um, we have the SI Questions channel. Get your GrogCoin. By the way, crypto's way down, so GrogCoin, cheaper than ever. <laughs> there's, your, there's your plug. GrogCoin, now at a discount, thanks to the crypto economy. Um, and if you have 25 coins, you can ask questions, which we will answer on the show. We're going to save some of them for specifically the Spotify version of the show. So there'll be some Spotify exclusive questions at the end. Uh, you guys can go sign up. We have the video version on Spotify now if you prefer to watch it on that platform instead. Um, yeah. So there are instructions. If you go onto the Inside on Esports Discord server, GrogCoin Lounge has been posted about how you can become a GrogCoin 25 enthusiast and ask questions. And also just great discussions. It's a fun server to be on if you want to talk about the matches as they're playing. A lot of hardcore fans are there. And uh, it's a good time. So definitely join our Discord. You can also sign up with various roles. So tag yourself, CSGO, League of Legends, Valorant, whatever games you like. And when we make content, you'll get tagged. So you'll know the instant our stream starts, the instant the content comes out, if you prefer to get notified that way. Otherwise, don't sign up for roles and you won't get pinged. Very, very simple for you. Uh, and subscribe to all of our channels again. 
uh, they want you want us to talk about Bo. All right. Well, well, I don't know anything about Bo, guys. We're not going to talk about Bo because I never watched really any of his LPL games. So I don't have an opinion about the Haru and Bo to Vitality thing. I know Bo is a very strong player, allegedly. Um, you have any thoughts on Bo? Oh, the fucking Vitality. jungler guy. So I mean, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, I barely watched him play because obviously he's like an LDL player or whatever the fuck. So, I mean, the hype was big around him. It's certainly an interesting move. I think it's kind of shocking, though, because, I mean, Vitality's had two teams they've committed to with Southmid, and then what? He's just out, wasn't it? Why was that work? You know? <laughs> and I mean, he even did a thing the other day where this is just bad timing, obviously. He had like a fucking thing the other day on Instagram, like, win this Vitality jersey. Like, what? Is it your like actual starter one or something, you fucking idiot? What are you talking about? Like, you're not even in the team. Like, you should fucking win a jersey. Anyway, that's just that really that wasn't really about ball. That was mainly more straight shots to self made. Also, they got Haru coming back. You know, true. Yeah, might be interesting. I, I, I clearly there was. I mean, from watching Vitaly's game, clearly there was a irreconcilable. We talked about this. They have no early game plan. To run a different they're jungle, not, put it out Yeah, they're not playing <laughs> no. well in the early game. They don't seem to have a cohesive vision of the game. Something had to change. Also, Something spoiler, like if you know anything about solo queue, when you have two superstar name solo laners and you lose a lot, the jungler's going to be fired. Like, that's <laughs> that's just how the game works. That's how the fucking cookie crumbles. We all know how that works. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> all right. Questions. Uh, now, more Butt Pounder 420 references. We're finding the new ways to say it. So pounding on a butte, as in like a mountain, 759. Pennywise pound foolish. What are the things you find you shouldn't cheap out on? Oh, man. Oh, it means like in life. in life. I mean, the obvious answer, the number one answer, and the reason I'm going to say number one is because I used to be terrible for this, and I guarantee the audience is terrible for this. Food. Yes, exactly. Why the fuck of all... Like, someone once phrased it this way. You know when people say that famous thing? It's not even true. You just have to cook for yourself. You know when they go, eating healthy is more expensive... It's your body, you fucking retard. That's the vehicle to go through life. Like, someone once phrased it like this to me. I don't want a budget body. It's the best way to phrase it, isn't it? It's like, here's the thing. Would I rather have a Lambo or my body be the equivalent of the Lambo? I think I'll take my body being the Lambo because my body has to drive the Lambo anyway. So, like, I don't, I don't your whole experience is going to be from your body. So I would say it for no joke, high-quality food. Yes. Like, for example, I mean, I've told this story before so on the side select, so I'll briefly say it now. Like, I I actually thought I didn't like steak, but that's because I grew up poor and I was always eating the cheapest steak. And because it was very cheap cuts, we would overcook it. And it would be well done. And so I thought steak was just really dry and chewy and hard. And I thought, why the fuck are people getting steaks when they go there? You get a burger. you get. And what I learned was when I got a little bit of money from CSGO and I'd be in some fucking hotel in Serbia at like 11 at night after a flight, I would be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to shallow let me get this filet mignon and then they'd be like well sir that's actually better done you know medium i'm like i'll give it a go it's it, like change your life mate it's about the thousand times more flavor texture you're like this i re suddenly realize what food's all about like i was just going for the stupid like little chemical taste in your brain like the little rat pressing the buzzer the dopamine thing or whatever there's food for real is probably one of the best experiences in life if you properly engage with it you know yeah i i would i would have the same answer uh it's also the expense thing is definitely overrated because so much like of you just bought that fucking smoker. I bet you're loving it. Oh, I, yeah, I have a smoker now. It's fucking great, dude. So here's here's the thing about here's the thing about good food. It's less of a problem if you're European. You you all you already get good food because the quality of produce there is much higher. The standards around dairy products are much higher. The standards around meat products are much higher. Um, so you're you're probably getting healthier food now in America because we have horrific factory farming. You really have to be much more 
careful about where you purchase your food and like reading ingredients, even on whole ingredients like raw meat or or raw, less of a big deal with raw vegetables, I would say. Um, but with like raw meat, you know, I tend to go to butchers, like, you know, actual butchers, not your fucking grocery store, but like a butcher who I know has locally raised meat that's not raised in a garbage way and pumped full of antibiotics and chemicals. And like, that's pasture raised on grass. And yes, is it more expensive? Sure. But here's the way you get around that, guys. You don't just buy fucking steaks. Now, steaks are great and they are expensive from those butchers. If you have a smoker, my smoker costs $200, guys. They're not expensive. You have to have an outside to put them in. So, and they are, you know, it takes time to learn how to use them. But there are many ways. Pressure cookers, instant pot's a great way. You can cook cheaper cuts of meat from a good butcher in large quantities. Like a pork shoulder, even from a good butcher, is not going to be that expensive, but it's going to have eight pounds of meat on it. If you cut it up right and you put it into an instant pot and make pulled pork, if you don't have a smoker, an instant pot costs you $80. And it's so incredibly useful. Make good whole food from home. And the value you get of like nutrition per dollar on raw vegetables, they're... Processed food is cheap, but it's cheap because it contains garbage ingredients and someone is making a profit on you, okay? They have to make a profit to advertise to you. So your your calories, the calories that you're getting. You know, where you get the extra margin by putting some shite in there. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking like high fructose corn syrup or hydrogenated oils. Like everything sweet, artificial sweeteners, everything, yeah. Terrible for you. Just buy some fucking broccoli and learn how to cook it properly. It's not that hard. Um, people have actually, now that I post all these photos online, people ask me or asking me if I want to do like cooking streams. Cause I've, uh, here's the funny thing. I've even had a bunch of pro players and casters like privately message me and say like, can you do cooking streams? Or like, how do you, how did you learn how to cook? So I might do some of that stuff in the future because I think there, there is a desire among people to understand how to do that. And I think that people just don't know how to get started. And I can do shows that are very easy cooking or like, you know, here's here's how you make a lot of food that you can freeze at one time. So you don't have to be cooking all the time. You can just freeze it, eat some this week, and in two weeks later, when you're not tired of it anymore, thaw it out and come back to it. And it's still going to be better than the shit you buy. Um, the other thing that I think you shouldn't cheap out on, this is going to be an interesting one, is shoes. And here's where you make the mistake about shoes. You're like, I need the latest Adidas drop. Uh, and it's like some fucking like garbage sneaker that's going to fall apart in a year or two. I literally have Red Wing boots, Iron Rangers, that I've had for 12 years. They cost $300. They've lasted me for 12 years. Red Wing will, I can literally take them into Red Wing or send them back to Red Wing. They will resold them for free and then send them back to me for life. Now, the value of that, having a good fucking shoe that's made out of like real leather that stands up to the elements. You are throwing away money on those garbage hype sneakers. Again, if you see an advertisement, it means that they have enough money to add to pay to market it to you. So there's a famous concept that people don't know that in a lot of markets, the the best brand isn't the one that does the most marketing because that's how the middling brand catches up to the best brand. The legit goes. So I'll give you an example. Another one I was going to say, Monty, if you're a gamer, is headphones. Because I always used to buy the audiophile level headphones from Sennheiser. Now, Sennheiser back then used to sponsor one esports team. It was a small Danish team. And that was it. They didn't have like, if you know back then, it was SteelSaves was everywhere. Every fucking person was SteelSaves all the time. And eventually it became the HyperX and all that shit. Like the problem with those is, and obviously, 
obviously we're not sponsored by them right now, so I can say this, is they are sort of made with like, they're made to sort of fail after not that long. They're made with fairly flimsy materials. And the price point might be all right for you because you might think I can't afford the Sennheiser. It isn't. Here's why. Because the price point is actually too high to be that disposable. When you get the Sennheisers, they cost you $200. They'll last you 10 years if you keep them in, in good nick. And they also don't do that thing, which they used to do back in the day on the cheap headsets. You know those pieces of shit where they make the wire part of the headphone? So if the wire breaks, you have to buy a whole new head. The Sennheiser, what you unplug it? You can just buy the cable for like two euro and yep. put another one in, like, yep. and you can replace all the inside yep. part, everything. So, like, they, these, these, that's another thing that's it's well worth, like, the durability is just, and the sound quality is obviously I way mean, better, you know. These are Audio Technica A50s or M50Xs, and these have lasted me for years. And, and, like, and the other things you shouldn't cheap out on, by the way, are obviously like chairs and mattresses. Like, you spend what half your life in these Image things. has a good one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have an, an Aeron from Herman Miller and don't buy it new, by the way, go, to, my wife got this for me as a gift, but there are tons of these corporations that go out of business and they sell a bunch of like slightly used Aeron chairs. So they're just sitting in warehouse, go on like Facebook marketplace and just find someplace near you that's selling like basically brand new Aeron's for half price. And a good mattress. You fucking sleep on that every night. It will wreck your body if you have a shit mattress. And there are tons of good mattresses. Like the direct-to-consumer mattress companies like Purple and Lisa and like all these other brands are great. You know, because again, it's about marketing and like they don't have stores. So they cut their overhead so they can sell good shit to you at a cheaper price. Marketing, it's not that good things can't be marketed. It's just that you should be suspicious of things that are marketed. <laughs> oh, and then the one other thing is don't cheap out on a mid laner if you're EG. <laughs> it's funny, that one, I, I will admit, it's not really that great advice for the fans, but just saying, just saying, you know. Got any esports jokes that make fun of people's IDs slash names like Xi Jin 35 ping? Okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Let me think. Are there any that are obvious like that? Let me think. I can't really think of any that are coming to mind. I mean, I could make like a shit joke. Like, what wasn't it like Saigon Buffalo have like a mid laner called Froggy and then like an ADC called Shogun? And it was like, <laughs> you're so close to Froggun. Whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm fucking working with scraps here, boys. I haven't got anything. Whatever. I came up with something on the fly. All right. Sorry. Uh, TSM okay. were so shockingly bad that they were the most talked about team in the LCS in spring. Was this their secret strategy all along? Is it true that any press is good press in esports? I mean, yes. Any press is good press in esports. That's that's true. Uh, that's although, true to be fair, they are go doing their best to prove that wrong with the general <laughs> press. You know, like they are doing that's, their best on that one. <laughs> that's like it's like it's the Thorin strategy or trending yeah. trending on Twitter, but maybe exactly. not for the reason you want to be. <laughs> but the point exactly. is, you're still relevant because you're trending on Twitter. That's, yeah, that's, my favorite moment about that first day was just that <laughs> screenshot where the two most trending things in Europe was Saudis and then fucking Thorin. And you're going to think like just Thorin said, no, just just me. Just, just, it's all of Saudi Arabia, which is doing all sorts of shit in the world and, and buying up all the property. And then just a guy, a British guy, an old boomer from Quake, he was second on the list. Like, give me a break. Like, this is going too far. And the joke is, if people don't know, the primary sentiment expressed, which made me trend on Twitter, was that I'm irrelevant. <laughs> These people are beyond, they, they don't have self awareness. There is no self awareness. I, I mean, the Kardashians are probably the least relevant people to ever be famous in human history, but they're still extraordinarily fucking famous. And some of them are billionaires now. So it doesn't matter, guys. There's a there's an Oscar Wilde quote from The Importance of Being Earnest, which is uh, the only thing worth worse than being t worse than being talked about is not yes. being talked about, uh, which exactly. is 100 percent true.
Exactly. Uh, both EG and G2 won spring 2022 in similar fashions, middling splits, but insane lower bracket runs in playoffs. That was a fun parallel. Uh, can you specul speculate if there is a commonality between their circumstances that caused this phenomena to occur, or was it a coincidental that each of their opponents mental boomed? Uh, I, I think we actually addressed this earlier when I talked about their their rise coming through to MSI. Uh, I think I think they did it for different reasons. I think EG's opponents boomed harder than G2's opponents, um, and I think that. G2, I mean, Caps's play was also a huge part of G2's win, and also Flacken and Targamas stepping up. Um, and EG found, I think, their groove really, they, the meta suited them very well for what they wanted to do and how they wanted to allocate resources. I also think the only difference is this. Even though drafting played a huge role in both teams' success, the difference was this. It looks like EG was just like, we're just going in a different direction in the meta. You figure out a solution, and no one did. G2 actually looked like they were constantly proactive and hiding things and tricking people with things and then making you think this isn't even their strongest pick, but secretly that is their strongest pick. Like it looked like there was the difference was to me, one was a bit more obvious and one was a bit more out there to me, or they were sort of shaping the meta themselves and driving it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh let's go back to a classic Thorin question. The original series of reflections had a segment where Thorin used to say aliens come to Earth and challenge us to a league match. They want okay. our best five players. Classic Thorin question. Assuming you would have to be in the same scenario, which players would you take in their peak singular split? 2018, way, Summer of the Shy, etc. If what people are your five don't players? Know, well, we'll do that in a sec, but if people don't know, the reason I stopped doing that question, because you all, it's a brilliant question, right? Great question. It isn't. It's a terrible question because <laughs> in the same way as if you play in bronze, you can't do top lane plays as if you're in LCK because you don't have an LCK jungler. In the same sense, asking a question like that of stupid kids who are 19, emotionally 14, who've only played video games their whole life, never had a real job, are told by everyone in the world they're a genius and they get paid more than their dad does in three months in one month. You can't say to that person entertain me with your imagination and your brilliance. They don't have anything. So all they would do, Monty, was you'd think, oh, this could be great. Half of them would say just their current teammates and think that was like, got him. It's like, you didn't get anyone. You just ruined the whole interview question. Or they would just do something like, Oh, they would all, it's like why Mount Rushmore's, I had to change the feature of that. If you remember when I did that series, it couldn't really be the Mount Rushmore because every fucker just said the same four names. So the problem is when you do that, you want someone to come with a really unique flair to it. So we'll do that now because here's the thing, Monty. I don't think on this, it has to be that episode we did of who are the goats of every role in this scenario because it's You're specifically... Yes, we're picking someone in one game to be aliens. That's the cool part. It's not to do it win LCK or Worlds. So first of all, I'm definitely taking the shy in the top lane because sure. I think he is an alien. I don't think he. <laughs> anyone knows how his mind works. I can never predict myself, even by the champion, if he thinks he is the carry or a fucking tank. He, ha he himself appears to have a totally different split personality when he does interviews that doesn't know who the other personality is. It's like some sort of fucking alter situation going on there or something. And then on top of that, he's mega skilled. He is so fucking skilled. So I would definitely have that guy because he's gonna he's gonna just fucking it's gonna be a nightmare to play against him. So I'll take the shy top lane. Who are we go for for jungle though? Oh, do it because it can be any area in history, right? So we go any I, jungler here. I think I think you take in terms of peak players and like surprising ways to play the meta that nobody else did. I think you have to take the dandy Mata combination from 2014. Okay, that's fair. 
I mean, they were they were both levels above any other support. And then as a duo, obviously, it was ridiculous. Like, they were just yeah. cheating at that point. That's why we've always been at that point. I won't make it the end where they just ran to each other and it's like, we did it. No. Oh, yeah, you as well. But yes, we did it. <laughs> yeah, like, Looper, you really helped us, Looper. <laughs> Good job, Looper. Looper's just, like, sitting there, like, drool, just like. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing, by the way. Even though, for example, again, this is why it's not a GOAT discussion. I'm sure people would want us to take, like, Uzi I as the ADC. You know what? Bearing in mind, we're going to make a team here. It's not just like it's not fucking old IG where everyone thinks of the carry lane. If I have the shy as my top laner, I'm taking ruler or fucking prey as my ADC. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody who's That's just gonna easy. sit there by themselves. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I want. Perfect. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Rocks Tigers Prey just sitting there by himself on Ezra Hill, last sitting minions with Q. <laughs> and by the way, you know what's mad? If we're gonna make this team just to make it complete, who should we I feel like for the mid? I actually wouldn't take Faker. I feel like for the mid, I might just take like Prime Rookie or something. We have yeah. the Rookie and the Shy, which is a classic combo. And let's let's say like Season 8 Rookie or something. He's fucking unbelievable. I mean, he's just <laughs> so good. He could beat anyone. Like, I think that player might beat anyone if they played them. If you go in a time machine, you know. He'd definitely be up there. He was a fucking sick player. Yeah. That's I think you make an team. argument for like 2013 or 2016 Faker as well, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, if 2012 Frog is not available, obviously, then we'd go with the backup options, you know. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't want to, if you wanted to take non-Korean players, I think you take, like, 2012 Diamond Prox, because he was another player that was, like, so... F he was doing such weird shit that was way ahead of his, his time that... I mean, realistically, Aliens would have a very hard time playing against Moscow 5 of that era because they were... They actually say, by the way, that we have to try and beat the Aliens or we just play the Aliens. Uh, to save the world. Oh, so to I, save so the we, world, right? We okay. have to win. Okay, that's the problem. Because if it was just to to play aliens, I might just pick reckless and let the aliens wreck him. Just put, <laughs> get team around him. And then it's just wreck him and I'm laughing like, ah, never said what side I was on, you know. <laughs> uh, it's that famous meme, you know, the one where it's like, I, I plan to change the world. And then it's like the fucking Padme meme, like, for good, right? It's like, <laughs> for, for good, right? <laughs> that's me after these questions. <laughs> Uh, any memorable performances from Loser in a three games to one best of five in any what a fucking specific example? This is I know it's mental in it. What a mental example! So it has to be. Let it has think. to be the loser of a three-one best of five. That's the thing. Fuck the three-one part. Believe it or not, there's a there's a great example of this in Counter Strike. We have one of the best examples ever of a team losing a best of five three-zero and playing amazing, which is the Astralis team that became the greatest team of all time. In their second, I think it was actually their fourth event together. They just won the previous event and stopped it. They lost the IM Sydney final to FaZe Clan, who had a stand-in. They had Exist, the old NIP player, standing in. And the final was 3-0, but every game was 16-14 or overtime. It was some of the most exciting CS you've ever seen. So, like, there's an example of where BO5, it doesn't have to be 3-2 to actually be an amazing game. But the point there is Astralis could have won 3-0, but they lost 3-0. The problem is, in League, it's a bit harder. Like, in League, we're probably going to have to go for some, like, classic Korean series or something here. Like who even who even goes three one though? That's the problem. Because usually three one is a stomp. Yeah, it, and also technically top esports against RNG was a three one that like top esports maybe yes. should have won, right? You they know? should have won that. that actually, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a great example. If you want a recent sure. one in the LPL playoffs this time, top top should have won all four games of that series and they lost three one. So that was pretty memorable to me. I was like, I haven't seen this one before. <laughs> that was real weird. <laughs> I can give you an old school example. Cause I just have a memory like this. If you go back to season four summer and it's SK gaming against Alliance, 
when Frog ends the team. And it's a 3-1, but it's another really close series. Like, it's like back and forth all the games. I think it's SK's even leading in most of the games early on. They lose the series, but that was the team that went to Worlds. And then Monty, like, secretly coached. And then Sven Skeren unsecretly fucked. Anyway, you, you, know the, you know the story. We all know the story. And then sadly, the worst consequence. This is why, Monty, your character is your destiny. Because due to... The, what I hold against Sven Skeren at this point... Look, it's so many years, right? It's not even the fucking incident. It's that he dared to let fucking TSM get into the playoffs one time ever at Worlds. And I will hold that against you. Look, you almost made up for it by preventing them from getting into playoffs at Worlds in future years. That's that's fair. You know, you gave me a couple back, but that one... But Mamison's still talking about it. He's still talking about being in the final. Love him, but that's ridiculous. You know, So I do hold that against him. Of the Riot casters, who do you feel has done the best job of standing up to Riot slash refusing to tow the party line? I mean, it's clearly shocks, right? Uh, yes. If you look at his, here's the thing though. She's done it in a very shrewd way. She's yes. never actually had a dispute with Riot. She, because in words, she never has. So she plays the political card, right? But then she still gets everything she wants behind the scenes as far as I can tell the money, the power, the days off, the other. By the way, if you don't know what she's about to do right now, she is actually donking Riot right now. Yeah. She is working a rival event, which arguably might even now be bigger. And then we'll almost certainly bigger. just waltz back into League of Legends and do whatever the fuck she wants. It's, you know, it's, it's bigger in terms of the fans who give a fuck about shocks. Yes. Because like, it, it, is it objectively bigger with Chinese people watching? I mean, it's also no. bigger for a career as well. You know, it's like right. a, a time for her to branch out and do something else as well. Right. You know? But is also, it, in terms of people who speak English watching the event, the major will almost certainly be bigger. Oh, of course. No, but there's another reason why I do think it's enormous what she's doing to Riot, Monty. Because what she's going to do now is she's going to be one of the people Riot has to pursue. They don't like that. So, for example, if I were her, by the way, I'd, I'd go even further. I'd go host like a fucking Rainbow Six Major next. I'd go do another. I'd go do all. I'd do a Valorant event. I'd make it so it's like if you want me in league, you better ask, ask quiesce to all my demands. And I'll say this as well: as much as people are like, well, whatever, you know, the host doesn't change the viewership, it changes the experience. Tell you what, she's the best at that in league. She's just got all the fucking, the, the pattern nailed down, everything. So she's got to be up there. I'm trying to think who else would be in the mix, though. Because if you want a riot caster, who else from a riot? The problem is most riot casters have done fuck all, guys. I don't think any of them have done, except Shocks have had a backbone, even really. They've just had the odd moment where they did something, right? Yeah, Shocks actually didn't participate in LEC, which is the first time somebody's actually done yeah, yeah. something since Papa and Doa and I refused to go to MSI that one year. But we weren't Riot casters. So they, you know, Shocks was bold because obviously she was threatening her day-to-day -day livelihood, whereas we would have just been, like, we'd actually, you know, we would have been fine just working for OGN and doing Korea and not going to international events, right? We had, a, it was a totally different form of income for us. I mean, on uh, some fucked up level, if you want to take it the most extreme definition of like stood up to riot, on some level, Froskorin's done it. Yeah, that's true. She's, she's called him out for some shit and said some things and fucking, by the I way. Never provided told... any evidence or of course told not. us who did these things. Sure, uh, sure. Which is, I don't know why well, she won't do that. I want you for standing up against riot, okay? Not least because here's the thing. I, you know what? I'm not going to name names on this one. But for the love of God, understand that when riot fucks you, and it's over and they resolve it, shut up. You've now succeeded. When you say anything that then implies, don't be mad at Riot, guys, and it's not their fault, all you do is make a rod for the next guy's back. Because what happens is now, the next guy who stands up, 
He looks back and every other person never stood up properly. They all acquiesced and bitched out at the end. Like, don't do it. Like you actually are not just selling yourself down the river because you are selling yourself, by the way. You're lying. You're just openly lying. It's worse. You're selling everyone else down the river. So please don't do that. Like you've already won. I know it. Listen, I know they're going to hold it slightly against you. But that's why in this game, this is the secret to esports, by the way. This is how I got this far. You have to be even better at your job, but it'll allow you to fuck with them. So that you make you max out the, the performance ability and then you can you can have a little bit of wiggle room and fuckery. You can't be average and do that. So you better be amazing at your job as well if you want to stand up. I, I mean, what's crazy to me about Froskarin is that she is currently doing a League of Legends show on, on, on the Lolly Sports YouTube and apparently and apparently is in the I saw her in the trailer of that new sh like fictional show that they're making on Paramount Plus. Oh, um, right. They're like the gamers. She, she's like a talking. Yeah, she's like a talking head interviewee in that. So this is a person who said that they're like she basically she implied that there are yeah. biased and potentially bigoted hiring practices at Riot and then continues to do work for this company that she thinks is immoral. And also Riot apparently will continue to hire her, even though she says that know. stuff about them. I know. <laughs> There's another thing, mate. Imagine well, being quick shot. Well, I get All those years you work there, you don't even get your fucking. They haven't even got your back. What? <laughs> me, the fuck? Meanwhile, meanwhile, Duncan, I get boomed by Riot because I said their formats are shit, and I get blacklisted forever. The problem is Riot's never had any fucking like fucking logic on that, have they? Like Tyler One became a streaming person. Dom was like verboten for like four years because he said his skin was shit. Like, give me a break. So, you know, you can literally accuse them of being bigots and they'll still hire you and you will still work for them, even though you think they are immoral. But I, I am blacklisted by saying their format is garbage. We forgot one name and he's a rookie still in my books, but he earned it on this one. Cadrill actually did low-key fucking, yes. he pushed back a bit. He did, he, he, did. he had a little bit of game. He didn't roll over. Fair play. For Thorin, have you ever thought about similarities between OG in TI 8 and 9 and G2 in season 9 and 10? So it's a Dota versus uh, LOL comparison. Some interesting parallels, unconventional hero choices slash styles, very friendly atmosphere, won international tournaments over the favorite like G2 at MSI. The problem it would be this. Those parallels are great. You notice that wasn't a question. It was just him telling me the parallels he sees between the two teams. Like, what am I supposed to say? No. Right? So here's the actual answer I'll give, which is... Those parallels do fit. Like, they won with unusual things, and, and they had weird, like, flexes and stuff. Here's the problem. The first time the OG team won that TI, I don't think people understand, because sadly, I even scuffed my video on it, because I'm not an expert on Dota. That team should have had no business winning that tournament. It should have actually been functionally impossible. If people don't know, a couple of months before, some of their best players left to go to Evil Geniuses, and they had to bring back people like Seb, who was the fucking coach! He was the coach. And in the, by the way, he even carried a game in the final. And then secondly, the way they won those finals, first of all, they also won. G2 never won. And then even when they won the first, the one, the TI8, the upper bracket in the final they have against PSG is what, there's an example, by the way, of one of the maddest examples of like a loser in a series playing like unbelievable level of like a player, but losing both times. Like I actually thought it was a miracle. That was one of the craziest miracles of all time. I've seen that one. Even the way Anna just became like five times better at that time. Like it was mental. Whereas the difference with G2 is G2 on legit was a super team. Like those are some of the best. That was like some fucking Captain Planet. That was like, the joke is G2 is like Europe's answer to my question from Grilled. Like you have to put together five players to 
beat the Koreans, and they did. Remember that stat I said the other day? Over those two years, they went four and one in best of five series against top Korean seeds. You understand that nobody in the history of League of Legends, maybe even LPL, will ever do that. That is mental. That is actually one team of Europeans. So to me, like, look, they have similarities in some ways, but like in other ways also, they're like, like one is like uh, the embarrassment of riches. The other's like, wow, I can't believe this sort of underdog came together last second, didn't even choose the team they wanted. They sort of got betrayed. If people don't even know, because those players left right at the end of the circuit in, TI, in the 2018, they even had to go through like the open qualifier, Monty, and like, like just qualified to the tournament. Like they weren't even in position to. So that I think that one's way more of a miracle. Whereas to me, the G2 one's just a really cool story about like, if you get the greatest players ever and they happen to be able to blend, look what you can do. Like look at the, the, the possibilities in the game, you know. And I do think actually... G2 League of Legends might actually go down as the most unique League of Legends team ever. I thought the way they played was dope as fuck. Yeah. I mean, really fun to watch for sure. Very unique. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen a team like that since Moscow 5. It was, it, they come along every five, six years, I guess. Uh, in my opinion, the single greatest little storyline is Score's legacy as a King of Silver to finally winning in the last OGN split. Wait, wait one second. I've got one joke I have to get off quickly. All right. Here's who wouldn't have been picked in the earlier question about uh, someone who performed really well in a four-game loss in a series, and that's Froskorin, because she was terrible in G4. <laughs> Thank you. That was actually all right. spectacular. So it, it's real. It's worth the win. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all good. 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 Very, very well played. Very right, well, was question, very what well played. was the question? Come on. That was very well played. Uh uh, the greatest storyline is Score's legacy as a King of Silver to finally winning in the last OGN split. In your memories, uh, what storylines from League or other esports do you hold in similarly high regard? Look, I obviously love the Score story. He's he's probably my favorite League of Legends player of all time. Uh, just the only score we fuck with in esports. <laughs> yeah, Score, not the Score. Yeah, I wish the, the, the Score is fraudulent. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Enough <laughs> <Yeah>. said. <laughs> score is great. Um, I mean, there are obviously there are some fucking incredible Brood War storylines. Story oh, like, for sure. Savior's storyline, while tragic, is incredible. Um, from breakout genius flipping the tables on difficult matchups, uh, rising as a star super fast, being incredibly dominant, Bonjois, only non Terran Bonjois into match fixing and going to prison. That one's pretty epic. By the way, there's a cool angle on that as well that I've actually come up with that I just put the pieces together differently. I actually genuinely think the reason he match fixed, because this is a key detail people don't know, he claims he didn't throw any games himself. He definitely had a couple I think you can just look at and he threw, right? But in general, the the thing he got in trouble for was getting a load of the other younger players, even in other teams like Sparky, getting them to come in on the match fix and sort of like introducing them to the person or tell. And so here's what that means to me. I think because in the game, his style of play was like, I'm supposed to lose. I'm on the weaker race. I'm supposed to be behind, but like I'm setting up traps. And I'm out thinking you. I'm out maneuvering you. No one can catch me. I can do anything. I can always bigger. I think he sort of just got that ego in real life. And he was just like, I can do anything. I can make the whole scene it's all mine it's all mine and the last detail to mention is this this detail had to exist I heard it from a legit source in the Korean scene because this is what you do in the movie is the last scene Monty so obviously in the movie if people don't understand he not only fell off his game quite drastically in the last couple of years but then he obviously got banned for match fixing the story goes 
that even in the years he'd like fallen off and the match fixing stuff was going on and everyone's like, he's just not as good. Supposedly, in practice, he would still maintain win rates over like Flash and J-Dong and stuff like that. But it's like a dirty secret no one's allowed to say now. That's what I heard. And that is how the movie would end, wouldn't it? Because you threw it all away, but then it's like, you know, you just, you're just lonely in a, in, a, in a gym somewhere bouncing a ball and suddenly that door opens. It's like J-Dong, like, it's time to test yourself, old man. You're like, that's what you do. That is exactly how the scene <laughs> would be. Would be that would be the end of the movie. You just beat some Nine eight. He's like, you know, come back when you got come back when you got the game to beat me or like some shit like that. Exactly. I still control the game. So that, that is a brilliant Broadwell one for sure. For CS, let me think. Oh, it's obvious. What people don't know is this: is what's sad. The people who are bandwagoners don't even know how cool the Astralis story is. Because here's what's amazing about the Astralis story: the greatest team ever in CS:GO history is Astralis in terms of majors won, records, eras, and three of their players including the star player, were one of the greatest choker teams for three or four years before that. So they went from biggest... This is like, guys, if KT had choked for three years, then become better than T1, and they'd won all the worlds, and they'd won more worlds than fucking T1, and they won another last kicker of all that was so genius. Just to make the story perfect, they then made someone their Astralis bitch because they made Team Liquid their Astralis who could never beat them. So it was like... That was, that's one of the coolest turnaround storylines I've ever seen because normally that never happens. If you don't know, the guys who chalk a lot, you're lucky if you just get over the line and sort of win one or two, you know, and you're off, oh, you I got a couple. You almost never become the most clutch. Like, that's absurd to do that sort of, because that's almost like a character switch, you know. I think that's, that might be, that would be a movie as well, by the way. That's an amazing fucking movie or TV I mean, series, you know. I mean, the, the, the rise of the Brazilian players too from luminosity to oh, the original one. yeah, yeah, yeah the course. original the original major <laughs> winning roster that was it i'll give a league equivalent that was like if lms hadn't just i mean i guess lms did win that world but that was a fluke I, I, let's let's imagine you know when like season five when the two lms teams made the playoffs right imagine if you did that and that was already an accomplishment make playoffs make top eight imagine if a year later they just won worlds that's what the Brazilians did. They took a minor region, just moved to the bigger, a bigger region, and but became it was to the best NA. in the world. That's the thing. Sure. They didn't even move to Europe. They it's moved to a LCS. region. It would, it would be like a Brazilian team moved to LCS, yes. and, then L and then won Worlds through LCS. Yes. That was crazy. <laughs> um, epic. And they even did it, by the way, in movie fashion as well. Like, they legitimately were all, like, in one house. Like, two of them were, like, sharing a single bed. They were, like, all fucking sleeping on floors. It, it, it was, like, the Rags to Riches amazing fucking story you'd want in a movie, for sure. They even had the best player in the world. All right. Butt Pounder 420 with the classic butt pounder 420 question with the first corral hoedown of 2022 finally underway what have been the most jovial and lighthearted jokes you have received so far and have you looked back and reflected upon your egregious misbehavior trademark oh by the way you love that. I'll, I'll tell you the, i'll tell you the premise right there was someone who I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. It was just a random account on Twitter. There was an account on Twitter. Oh, actually, I've just realized. It, it, I, it, you do know who I'm referring to, actually. I, I won't say the name here because fuck people like I hate us, right? Basically, so when I first said my comment that, like, this player is one of the most, is the most overrated in history, right? This person said, like, now that Thorin is behaving egregiously bad or something, like, really? You must, you, you must work for Riot the way you've just fucking destroyed that those words. Like, like, mate, you are aware in esports, people have raped people and gotten away with it. People have fucking stolen money. There are people right now in esports who are bombing children. Right now. And I'm behaving egregiously badly because, check notes, 
I did a tweet about how well a video game player played video games. Checks notes <laughs> on my Twitter timeline with no <laughs> tags. <laughs> also, you didn't even say that player was Dude, bad. Breathing, you, by the way, it's me breathing behaving egregiously as well. Like, what the fuck is your metric? You know, by the way, guys. It is this one more. That, if you don't know as well, Monty, there was a classic British comedy, like lowbrow comedy show. It's called Men Behaving Badly. So there should just be one for him behaving egregiously. That would be the, that's the new show coming on Insight on Esports League of Legends soon. Just be chronicling my life on Twitter. Exactly. But, but it's it's so funny because you could be the best player of all time and still be overrated. Like that's oh, not. It's do you want to know the funny thing, Monty? Between fan sentiment and your actual sure. level, it's not necessarily saying you're bad. Even though this isn't a direct one for one analogy, storyline and narrative wise. The example's easy. If you're in league, you're going to know immediately what I'm going to say, but CSGO fans don't follow league. It's like when people tell you Bengi's the best jungler of all time. That's what they're doing to me. They're telling me that, and I'm like, bro, first of all, you're playing with, like, the best, though. Like, how... How, you, that doesn't factor it so like yeah it's like that basically here's the difference though in league like Korean fans would melt down but people wouldn't wig out because you said that like Bengi's the most overrated jungler ever like problem, the problem here is the fan base it's not the opinion it's the fan base and it's who you said it about I'll also say this as well the one area I maybe did slip up is this I have a weird thing where because I believe essentially my whole philosophy is truth over everything and I mean everything I actually think that even when someone succeeds, so that was an enormous moment, if you don't know, like nobody even thought Imperial would make it this far. There was supposed to be a bust as an entire lineup, a waste of money. Spoiler, I found out how much they make. They are a massive waste of money. I was wrong with that tweet. Doesn't qualify it at all. We'll see if they're alive in a year as a team. But when they got to that point, here's the problem. That's like when a legendary player has that one last, it was like a last dance. You got that one, you're not last dance, you're not going to win the tournament, but like your one last run in here, you know, one last little run up there. The yeah. problem is, if you then do come out and your sentiment is sort of like, yeah, but we can all agree that guy we all love is doing one last run. He's not that good, though, is he? Was he ever? Like, true, that is going to rile up a lot of people. I will say. I, I'm aware of that. It's just that just doesn't justify people being horrible, does it? So whatever. That was one of the funnier ones. Behaving egregiously is pretty good. That's pretty That's pretty <laughs> up there. I mean, I do like the ones in general, by the way, where people just like, it's such a massive reach. So, you know, they'll just do some mad one like, like the obvious angles. Like, if you criticize any player, you just must be racist against those people. <laughs> okay. So what makes that bold, by the way, is they're not even a race. Like Brazil isn't a race. I don't know if you I don't know if you're aware of that, but like isn't even how that works. <laughs> what I think is hilarious is that they all just think calling you gay is like somehow super offensive. And then what they do yeah, yeah. what they do is they're like, you like men, ha ha and I'm like Okay, whatever. And they and send they, you pictures of them. And then they send you naked pictures yeah. of, or like they Photoshop your head on like the crotch of a naked yes. dude. And I'm like, you guys spent all this time making super gay stuff. That's sure. more gay than calling someone gay. Like, I'm ready for the best one. There's a very particular phrasing they use, Monty, and I admit in translation it must be lost a little something. It phrase goes like this. It's a, it's, a spa, it's a meme they all spam. When you hear this, you will know how utterly ludicrous Brazilians are and how hilarious. But this is hilarious, though. All they spam at you goes, when you, when you hit translate, it says, it sounds like you want dick but are afraid to ask for it. That is the <laughs> maddest thing anyone's ever said to me in my entire life. Listen, I'm not even going to comment on the veracity, but it's just so out there. Uh, listen, coming straight out of left field, no warning. You sound like you want dick, but don't know how to ask for it. First of all, why is that even the fantasy scenario in your mind? Again, it's like they're just going, ha, ha, and then imagine if you sucked the guy's dick, and then he just all over your face, ha, and then you'd be gay. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, 
<laughs> he's the gay one, ladies and gentlemen. What are we doing here? This is mental. I was talking about video games. <laughs> but it's okay, also, no. it's also like, it's, <laughs> the projection is just insane. And this, is, this is this is a this is a like a country that is the max like they have maximum obsession with watching like sweaty men run around over any other country on the planet. It's like so meanwhile much. they're just sitting in their computer. They're like, let me just stare at this naked man while I Photoshop Thor and onto it for thirty minutes. I'm not the gay one. <laughs> Do you remember also, Monty? What's the most famous sport aside from soccer to come from Brazil? <laughs> Jiu Jitsu. Oh, the one where you put your nuts in people's faces and that's like a fucking dominant <laughs> position, and he has to tap out. <laughs> fucking hell, that's another. I don't want to let you know anything. Bloody hell! All right, well, I can see why you might be a bit insecure now. Fucking hell! And also, final detail in case people don't know, because people in the league aren't going to believe me. So go look up Richard Lewis's work and search it online. They are so anti-gay in Brazil. They associate the number. I'm not seeing any. I'm not seeing a football. The number, the the fucking Arabic numerals, twenty-four. The number twenty-four, the one that comes after twenty-three, between twenty-five. The number 24, they associate with gay, so they don't use 24. People won't play football with 24. And are you ready? This is real, Monty. People buy birthday cakes that say, happy birthday, 23 plus one. Don't they That's also real. not have 24th floors? That might even be true, too. Even though I'm sure then the catch goes to the 24th floor. That'd make more sense, wouldn't it? Have that just be a party floor. Think it through. Or whatever. They haven't thought that business one through, have they? Anyway, very, very strange. I, uh, very strange. All I'm going to uh, say is if you made a movie in Brazil called The 24th Floor, it'd be very different to, you know, <laughs> like a sci-fi movie in America. So, you know, like, you know. <laughs> Brazil, it's eyes wide shut. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll do the rest of these questions for Spotify only on Twitch. We'll do them here. But if you're watching the YouTube, go to Spotify. Anyway. How long until Riot invents a revolutionary format for MSI, the Riot's Golden Standard League Group, or in shorthand, RGSL? <laughs> Obviously, just a meme question hey, for GSL good. groups, which, by the way, we've been over this, guys. If they did best of three GSL groups, it almost it would increase the broadcast time by almost nothing at all. It would slightly increase it uh, on uh, guaranteed slightly increase it. But with tiebreakers, as it is in the current format, tiebreakers can still technically go longer. So to be fair, though, with them doing what they do, like I told you, they changed LCS playoffs to like mid-season showdown. Then they made this second phase. It's not just around Robin Monty, it's the rumble stage. To be fair, it would be on brand for Riot to finally do double a limb, but present it as if it was like a brand new idea, a la like Elon Musk, and just be like, it's the twin life bracket um, you know, system that we've in. Isn't that double a limb? Now, I'm not familiar with this double a limb you're referring to. This is the double light. They're like, give me a fucking break. They would do some shit like that as well. Name it some stupid shit. <laughs> They're like, uh, it's not elimination, guys. Uh, that's a negative connotation. Exactly, we yeah. want to be positive here in League of Legends. So we're going to call it the two-life system or the two-chance system. So you get – or two-strike system. So you get two chances, guys. It's not It's not that you, you get eliminated. It's that you get two chances. Uh, you're both said that evaluating analysts based on predictions is dumb. How should fans evaluate which analysts know what they are talking about? And could you possibly provide an example of you using that system to evaluate a this particular is analyst? Because here's what's crazy. You know, when you're listening to them say the words, that's how you know if they know what they're talking about. Because since nobody can predict what will happen, you're trying to find out, 
do they accurately model the teams? Right. Do they tell you, like, essentially how these teams operate? Do they tell you a bunch of different scenarios that could occur that would play out a certain way? Like, they might play through the bot lane and then a lock mid, or they watch out for T1 going around Heralds. Like, that's, to me, what gives it away. I want to know. It's every. It's almost everything but the prediction. The prediction is just there for fun for fans and to have some banter fodder. The prediction is the least important part. <laughs> yeah, see, if, if the thing about it is, so... Here, here's an example. So we might have said for EG coming into this tournament, well, they die in lane and they like to play more scaling passive lanes. They often get, you know, kind of pushed in early on. They don't, as a result of them kind of having weak pressure in lane or dying, they they rarely get first dragons. Like they they have ser they've they've literally won series taking two dragons in an entire best of five, which is very unusual. So you might say, okay, like. Uh, how are teams going to play into that? Well, they started playing more aggressive lanes because they know their own weaknesses, right? And because the meta shifts, we didn't know exactly how the meta was going to shift because we didn't see any professional games on this patch prior to MSI. Uh, you know, they, they've actually been prioritizing Dragon more by pushing in lanes. But you also see teams playing into them or knowing that they're weak in a 2v2. They play Kai'Sa and Pike if you're G2 and try it all in right off the bat in the lane. So they're playing basically a kill lane if you hit a Pike hook. So... It doesn't like the scenarios can play out differently because if you're doing proper analysis and you've noticed a weakness with the team, if the team shores up that weakness through intelligent play or the other team exploits that weakness, that means that the anal analysis was correct, right? It's setting the framework of a team or a framework of the way that you think the game should be played in terms of priorities, um, whether that's map of priorities, uh, whether it's champion priorities, whether it's player priorities of who you play through. Um, but these are all reads that teams get, right? And yes. so you could be completely wrong because a team comes up with a style, like a team either fixes that weakness and looks entirely different, which is a great story. It's like, hey, they have this problem. Oh, look at this creative solution to how they figured it out. As an analyst, what you're doing is you're setting the framework. You're basically writing the test and the teams are answering the test questions. And it doesn't, it could be a really creative solution to that test question that you're asking, and that's to be celebrated. You get a good fucking grade from the analyst if that's the case. But if I have a student who never comes up with a creative answer, and I ask a creative, uh, ask a question on the test, and he, that student flips it on its head and finds that creative solution, we don't say, you failed the test student, we say, you exceeded my expectations of you as a student. Look at this awesome creative answer that you came up with, right? Think of it that way. Can we just burn MSI to the ground and replace it with boxing show matches? Oh my God, he's talking about the streamer boxing thing that happened this last weekend. Faker versus Tyler One, Flame versus Fudge, Double Lift versus Reggie. Let's fucking... I oh, mate, did you see that? It's like the universe is trying to talk me. Good news, Monty. Flame's finally in T1. Streamer, yes. fucking like yes, seven years too late. Brilliant. <laughs> Didn't get in those two times he bleed trial to be a top laner. Just comes in as a fucking streamer at the end. Great. Yep. <laughs> and also, there's no point me watching. One, he's not in his prime. And two, he speaks fucking Korean. I can't even benefit from this. This is garbage. <laughs> that, that streamer showdown thing was actually tragic. If you know I didn't anything about, oh yeah, they, they had a bunch of streamers this last week doing like a pay-per-view boxing match. And we're all these boxing now, I'm guessing. Terrible. At least oh. the clips that I saw. So you, it's that's just... the part idiots don't get. Yes, obviously Jake Paul is nowhere near fucking Floyd Mayweather. He tried. He's, he's actually pretty good. Stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty good. He's, he's better than you or I. The problem with those streamers, I'm guessing, is I bet, just, I, I bet it's just nerds flailing, fucking yes. windmilling, like, oh, I bet it's a joke. <laughs> 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 yeah no defense just like haymakers every punch and also fans i'm just i'm just gonna tell you just in case you haven't figured it out boxing operates on weight classes right listen fake is pretty skinny and tyler wood's pretty small 
I don't feel like they could ever be in the same weight no. class, though, surely. No, 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 no one's built, dude. You don't want that. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Come on. I, I, I do want the Richard Lewis versus Loda actual Hell in a Cell match, though. Personally, like, I, I would. I would. The problem with that is, though, you don't want it to be like a real sports match. That has to be like a street fight. That has to be at the end of Rocky Five or something. A street fight to the death. Because that's where Richard will be in his fucking element. He'll, 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 he'll live. He'll live. He'll He's live. got the pocket sand. Exactly. Exactly. He'll have some move. I know you will. Exactly. Fucking fish hooks, everything. Everything. Loda will be like, but that is not more. I'm Swedish. Oh, this is fucking wrong. And they'll be like, yeah, all right, fuck it. Ah, fuck, oh, fucking up my eyes. Not, not shots, everything. Fucking all the shit. Exactly. Fight dirty boys. You've got to win. It's about winning, not fucking the rules. As Reggie would say. Favorite smoked slash barbecued meat. I know brisket's pretty great. Tri-tips. California style tri-tips pretty great. You know, uh, North, uh, North Carolina pulled pork. Fucking great. Lots of good. See, items. here's the problem, Monty. He's actually allowed me to do a trick answer, which definitely wins. Because since he said smoked, you, you got distracted. You were like, you know, the fucking flashy object went by. Because he said barbecued, it's going to be Korean pork galbi. Yep. That is the shit. And I by the way, so. my, my favorite one to cook as well, because there's another element, if you don't know about Korean barbecue, that changes it. It's also all about what type of a grill they have. I love when you do the galbi on the grill, where it's like a griddle. Like that, yep. like the thing thing yes. over the flip. That that yes. does the best barbecue, in my opinion. Better than just the flat top. And it's, I think it's way better. That's that's my favorite one in Korea. Every time I got off that plane in Incheon, Monty, I would get the one hour fifteen minute train all the way down a million stops, yep. and I would just run to that fucking Korean barbecue. <laughs> I would get in there before it closed. I would just get like three plates of that. It's brilliant. It's the yep. shit. So many, so many good options. All right. Final question. Yeah, Derriere percussionist 777. Pretty good one. The, okay. <laughs> the butt pounder, the butt pounder references. Uh, if Brazil is the most insane fan based, who is the calmest? Ooh, let me think. Let me think on that one. Because here's or the who sad has the thing. the best sportsmanship? Yeah, yeah. One of the problems basically is this. Unfortunately, it isn't totally based just on the fan base. Like the fan base also sort of is based on how well the team does. So I'll give you an example. Once upon a time, Monty, when they weren't the best, Denmark was a perfectly fine fan base. No one ever, ever complained about Denmark. The problem is when they got the greatest team of all time, you get all the plastic fans and the little kids that come along and people just get stupid and start saying... So I would say typically in history, even though some people are going to associate like being like Nordic or being a whiner and stuff, generally people like Swedes are pretty mild-mannered, you know? I would would say say Dutch. Dutch are pretty up there. Germans are fine. Uh, eh, hey, okay. no, you don't know what the Depends. Germans. Depends. Uh, I, I think Swedes, Dutch, like the Northern European, like more sto- stoic cultures. Also, Australians are super chill because the Australians can take a joke. Like that's, I think the thing about Australians <laughs> is like, can't, but whatever, you know, you can't <laughs> I can see the exception that proves the rule. Uh, he, he is shit. So. Um, but I, I think for the most part, the Australians I've met, like they like supporting their oh, national players sure. and teams, but they don't usually get super deluded about it. And they're pretty reasonable. They're not they're assholes. They're like really chill yeah. most of the time. Like they, they're, 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 like, they're like the best combo of like reasonable and enthusiastic. I By the way, here's the mad thing. You're not going to believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I am. Uh, listen, that's for the fans, not for you, Monty. I'm not scaring you. Like, that's the end, mate. Here you go. I'm going to drop the phone. Oh, no, please. No, stop this <laughs> for the fans, what I'm going to say is this. One of the reasons why it's Brazil is because, I mean, on some level, even though I think it's incredibly ignorant to tweet at someone in a language you know they don't speak, at least on some level, they try to communicate, right? Here's the problem. If you actually understood Chinese, 
I don't care what anyone who's watching this show thinks. I think China would be number one on this list and they would be by far. Because if you've never even seen famously the few like quite famous Chinese fans on Reddit, holy fuck they are toxic. As in, if you, they're the guys where it's like if you think the shy was number two and they think he's number one, they will just write some shit like that your country should be genocided or something. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's, it's fucking wild, mate. You've never, you've never seen how wild they dude, go. Dude. The key thing is they have no consequences. They live in China, mate. You can't do anything to them. So I've gotten a lot of tweets in Chinese or like in broken English from Chinese people recently. And they have to really try to like get on Twitter, obviously, because it's blocked in China. So it's like VPN. And anyway, it's a whole fiasco, right? And so I got a lot of tweets because I was saying things like only RNG should have to play on ping. Like I wasn't insulting RNG, okay. right? Or I was saying like they shouldn't play the tournament under these conditions, etc. And people were calling me like a Korean dog, uh, telling me that like all these insults, like talking about how like trying to insult NA teams. I'm like, well, I don't even care about that. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but like really, you know, offensive racist stereotypes. I actually got a bunch of people banned from Twitter by reporting those tweets. Oh, um, no, well, you can report them. They will get banned. It was yeah. like, it yeah, was yeah. really bad, but oh, I, got, way, I got a lot of these. <laughs> that is one thing I will say, though, that is a, like, I think, listen, it's all fucked up when you're mobbing people and doing shit where it's going too far, but there's one thing Brazilians do quite routinely that is mental, right? You have to remember, I understand they can't tell the difference in English accents, right? So they think me and Richard Lewis are from America, Monty. So do you know what one of the go-to insults they say is? They, they celebrate 9-11 happening. That's not a joke. <laughs> And I'm not talking about one or two people. Go look on Google. Type in like R. Lewis reports or Thorin in 9-11 or like t t t you'll find so many tweets. You will be shocked that that would be a fucking go-to joke. It's and mad. Also, know, but also they hell. react as if you killed their mother if you say 7-1 to them. Like if you say 7-1, it's a fucking soccer score, guys. If you say 7-1 to them, they lose their mind. Like it's the biggest national tragedy to occur to anyone ever in history. They're, the priorities are very strange. <laughs> priorities exactly. are very strange. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that does it for this episode. We will be back not next Monday because there are, in fact, games next Monday um, in the Rumble stage. So those games will conclude on what early Tuesday morning, my time. So I have to, I'll wake up and watch the games that occurred on rumble day five. We might start a little bit later on Tuesday, the 24th as a result of that, but it'll be the day after the games occur. So probably around 11 or 12, 11 AM or 12 PM Pacific eight or 9 PM central European summertime. It's Tuesday, the 24th. Yeah. Tuesday, the 24th, uh, because the games end at four or 5 AM that morning. And maybe there will be a tiebreaker or two, depending. Uh, so we will do it immediately within hours, eight hours, probably of that, those games ending as soon as I have time to wake up and catch up on those games. So I know so later this week, look out for competitive edge league of legends. That's right. So competitive edge league of legends channel, all that jazz. on this channel uh, later this week, also competitive edge CSGO in two days for the major yep. before the playoffs. And then also maybe is by the numbers coming. Probably. We'll see. It depends if the recording gets done. The problem with that one is because we do it offline now. We can, it allows us to sort of reschedule a lot easier. So sometimes we'd skip out. Well, I think it'll come. I think it'll be one this week. Yep. Or next and, week, rather. Yeah, the jungle will also be done by me over on the Deserto channel. And yeah, that'll be good. So that'll be done. The uh, jungle will be done actually like in 30 minutes. That's when I start recording that. So it's my two-show day. All right, guys. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll see you next week.